0: Uh love it when it takes like a full minute from the time you hit start streaming to like YouTube go Oh right, cool. Yeah. Is it is it YouTube or is it just me? Uh Welcome to Talking Heads everyone, episode two hundred and sixty, your once week live show for latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. But but I'm Jeff. I, I Screw it. He's Jeff. Don't listen to me. <laughs> your once with live show for the latest in beer and tech news. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Oh, silent Steve. Hold on. Is Steve silent? No, I, I fixed Steve. What? Oh, no. Hold up okay try now steve can you talk
1: yep Am there I we here? go okay there we go okay oh did, did we blow our gag
0: uh, we blew the gag we blew the oh, gag well
1: here
0: I'm there jeff. we go I'm jeff. Je- I'm jeff
1: i'm jeff i'm jeff i'm jeff i paid eight dollars for this i'm jeff
0: youtube and twitter don't know i exist anyway so
1: i guess okay
0: Ah, once week live show latest beer tech news i'm jeff i'm really jeff He's not. I'm not. I'm just Welcome easy. to the show. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. All super chats are read right on the air so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel. We do drink alcohol on the show. And if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat and we'll give some early show shout outs as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat or the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the Discord server where you can talk with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it, it's, and it's it's, it's affordable and it's fun. I love when, when I get guests on the show, yeah. and they think I'm some professional production. You're like, everything is always fantastic and just works. And I really do fly this show by the seat of my pants. I mean, like, yeah. I do a fair okay. amount of prep work for stories and, and, and flow oh, yeah, sure. and everything else. But when it comes to the technical aspects, not nah, screw it. Like, we'll do yeah, it live. Let's just do
1: it. Yeah, we'll do it live. It seems to work pretty good, though.
0: It, I mean, it
1: does. 95% of the time, it's, like, really good. Right, right. And then as long as John is on time.
0: And honestly, <laughs> for a self-produced show, that's really all you can ask for. Yeah, like, honestly, like, it is. Like, it's one thing if you expect to sit down and record a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Rhett does a ton of podcasting. He That's one of the main things that he did for years and years. Um, And it's a completely different feel when you sit down and you record a podcast And then you sit down afterwards and you get to edit it and you get to polish it and you can re-ask questions and things like that. Yeah. When you're live, it's live. And especially when you're trying to host the show while also be your own producer. Right. There's a reason every radio broadcast for the last twenty-five years, has had an in-studio producer to handle all the technical aspects. It's not yeah. as easy as it seems.
1: Oh yeah, no, you're you're uh, you're sitting in the driver's seat. You're producer and uh, host, and uh, you know, and if you guys don't know what's going creator, on, I'm color
0: commentary as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I try to do color commentary, but uh. no,
0: you guys all do fantastic. <laughs> uh, that was an unnecessary dig. <laughs> Uh, novella hub said he thought the producer was in the other room uh yeah but <sighs> boy <laughs> <laughs> i got you there i'm i'm gonna leave that one alone <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you all so much for being here it's uh it's gonna be a good show we've got some updates from amd amd uh Breaking some hearts in the top 100 on the world's fastest supercomputers now. Uh, Intel and ARM are no longer the the lone dogs up there. Uh, We've got an update from NVIDIA on potential confirmation of at least the fact that an issue may or may not exist with certain graphics cards and using Mm -hmm. certain adapters. Uh, Seagate has launched a set of hard drives that they claim has the same sequen- sequential read and write performance as a SATA solid-state drive. These yep. are these are mechanical spinning drives with 550 megabyte per second reads and writes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty impressive stuff. Uh, and we've got a couple other things to talk about as well. Uh, but first off, let's go ahead and get this show actually on the road and down the tracks. Uh, Steve, what are you drinking tonight?
1: I have something that I'm actually really excited about. Um, this is called a 4 Um, Now, the reason why I'm excited about this is it is one of the highest rated pale ales in all untapped. It's like number four, or something like that. So this should be absolutely delicious. looking absolutely forward to that. Uh, this one right here is another pale ale from Port George. It's uh, one of their year releases. Suicide. It's Suicide Squeeze. Let me see. I can't get the thing to do there. <laughs> I got to get the better better Zoom thing here. Um, and then we have, uh, just in case, if there's a last one. Yep. This is from Pono Brewing called Black Hole Sun, which is um, a toasted coconut dark ale. That oh. sounds delicious. Oh, we'll find out if i get to it i'm gonna yeah. probably do i'm gonna i'm gonna hit this one up first definitely yeah. uh, the envy
0: yeah No. that so so what brewery is that is that from
1: uh this is from i think uh devon oh no parish
0: parish brewing okay Parrish brewing, okay yeah
1: gotcha it's not a super high abv it's only like 5.5 5, but it's when i looked at the untapped ratings on it it's like Super high. It's, it's well it's four point two nine, which is really high for a pale mm-hmm. ale for just a pale ale. Right. But everybody's like rating it four and above. So
0: that's that's crazy for a five percent beer. I mean it's, that's it's,
1: Yes, it's four times X dry hopped with citra.
0: So we'll,
1: we'll see how it goes. I mean
0: that's the right recipe if you're gonna yeah <laughs> if you're oh, yeah. gonna to top the heck out of a pail. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, too, am going with a, with a pale, although mine's a little on the hazy and a bit on the double side. Mm. Uh, I've got Anchorage's Gentleman. IPA. Oh, nice.
1: Oh, Anchorage. Excellent yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, and that looks like a gentleman.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. 8.4% uh, on this one. brewed with Citra, Incognito, Double Dry Hopped with Theol, Boosting Phantasm Powder, Mosaic, and Strata Hops.
1: Oh, phantasm powder. Yeah. So that's that's like the kind of grape musk powder. Yeah. Uh, I had that with um, the from Knotted Root Brewing in Colorado. Okay. We had. I think I brought. Uh, I had one of those on the show.
0: Yeah. Uh, last year, I think.
1: Yeah, it was pretty good stuff.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, then from Ex Novo, right here in Portland, uh, I have the Magic Stout Coffee Stout, which is a mm. uh, tribute to Puff the Magic Dragon. Uh, and also uh, the Wizards at Puff Coffee.
1: Yes. Yes. I actually just got that one. Yeah. I uh, I've I had
0: one out of the four pack, and mm-hmm. I was moderately impressed. So, oh, okay. So I figured I'd, I'd dive into it a little bit more here. I, I had one with like a slice of pizza a couple days ago, so... Uh, and then I also have a third, just in case. Uh, this one caught my eye because one of my favorite seasonal beers is from mm-hmm. 10, uh, 10 Barrel uh, over oh, yeah. in Bend. Uh, it is their Pray for Snow Winter Ale. Yes,
1: Pray for Snow is good.
0: I don't know if you've seen this. They have a Pray for Pow, which is uh-uh. the same ale, but turned into a stout. Oh. Pray for Pow Winter Stout. Winter stout. It's okay. still only seven, seven 7.2, something like that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, 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 pray for snow is like I said, one of my favorite seasonal mm-hmm. beverages. It It is absolutely fantastic. You can have it cold, you can have it lukewarm, you can have it room temp. It is a phenomenally good beer to just sit there and sit by a fire. And, oh, yeah. uh, so I am very much looking forward to that. I don't know if i'll get to that one today though so we'll what's, we'll have to what's see what's the
1: POW supposed to stand for us uh, for powder prisoners oh oh power. i it was prisoners of war
0: no pray, pray for power <laughs> pray for yeah. prisoners of war I was like, yeah. Oh, okay that, yeah I guess pray, I pray, pray for pow so fresh yeah. Pray for
1: power over oh, powder okay
0: yeah gotcha Yep. Yeah. all right uh so let's go ahead and do this let's see don't forget uh, an audio engineer right i also don't have one of those uh, let's see what else people are drinking. Oh, uh, man, William's. William has a bottle of shells limited edition cave-aged barrel-aged dark lager series. It's a Baltic Ooh. Porter 10.89%.
1: Wow. Oh. That's... Uh, <laughs> no, it did it say cave-aged. So they, they like had the barrels in a cave?
0: Cave-aged barrel-aged mm. dark lager Baltic Porter.
1: Wow. That's some like... <laughs> neanderthal stuff right there those that's are like...
0: <laughs> that's certainly a string of words yeah. <laughs> that i've never I mean, put together I
1: before i don't know if it's like uh because they're in a cave it's it's more
0: damp or cooler or something i'm not too sure it would probably what be that... cooler and moister
1: i would uh, think so so, so it may flame, it right? may
0: help with with some of the devil's cut may help uh, Could be. you know prevent some devil's cut from going away
1: or maybe they just put some rocks from the cave in the barrels Mm-hmm. It's got some rock flavor to it, right? It's got a little hint of gravel in there.
0: The the higher the moisture content, the lower the latent evaporation uh, yes, of whatever's exactly. in your your mm-hmm. barrels, and so the more whiskey and oak It'll stays absorb. there. Mm-hmm. So there is something to be said for that. Um,
1: it's more bourbony so. flavors, I would guess. Yeah.
0: Maybe. Uh, Benjamin's got a spotted cow from uh, uh, Nuglaris. Uh, Nuglaris. Yep, yeah. Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see Logan stumbled across an, a Toppling Goliath Soul Hunter double IPA while getting groceries so he's trying that tonight that is a phenomenal one yep can never go wrong with Toppling Goliath mm-hmm. uh, Sean's got a local one a Rogue Basquatch a Little so Basquatch, yeah yep Those are good. Uh, Lethal's got a Breakfast Out Founders Wonderful Founder, Founders KBS uh, let's see oh I, I saw a couple more where did they go to jason's got a dragon's milk
1: dragon's milk skin
0: yep and pat's got a founders all day ipa
1: oh I got jeremy m's got ghost runners 5k ipa mm, nice. sounds good and skull got he's got a Deschutes Jubilee. Oh, the du- jubilee is out already that's this another seasonal one yes we get a whole series of seasonal ones like Jeff mentioned the Pray for Snow, and then we get Widmere's Burr, and then we get uh, the Jubilee.
0: Right. Uh, I kind of look forward to them, actually. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, like, I like them. Like, like, as much as I love Fresh Hop and IPA season, which is every season in Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, as much as I love Fresh Hop season here in Oregon, which is, you know, September, October, mm-hmm. Um, man, when the Winter Ales and the Spiced Ales and, and things like that, and Barrel Ages and Stouts all start rolling out. Uh, oh, God. There is... As good of IPAs as we make, I almost yeah. say we're better at those. <laughs> the
1: the the winter the Portland Winter Ale Festival is is also fabulous. Because uh, not you've only got... do they have all those yeah. winter ales, but they also have like a lot of the they also bring out a lot of their big bourbon barrel aged Stouts and mm-hmm. and all kinds of stuff, oh my gosh, it's it was... have you
0: ever made it to the Fort George Festival of the Dark Arts? No, that is oh. one that I
1: absolutely want to go, but I don't know if they're I don't know if they're bringing that back or not. I don't know. Sure. I
0: haven't heard. I went I in two thousand nineteen though, yes,
1: you told me stories, and it sounded like fun.
0: <laughs> it was quite a good time. There's nothing quite like drinking nothing but Mid double-digit barrel-aged stouts from ten mm. in the morning until ten thirty p.m. Oh God,
1: yeah. You just got that sticky coating in your mouth when it, the day's it, done. In, it's dece- like,
0: oh, in oh, December God. on the Oregon coast. Oh God, yeah.
1: Mm. Oh man. Okay, this is this is fabulous. Yeah. Um. It's it's. I was I was actually thinking it was going to be thicker, but it's five point five, so I guess I shouldn't be thinking that. But man, the flavor is just absolutely phenomenal. It just really brings out that citra hop flavor. I mean, just look at look at that color. You can't even see through that thing. It's like drinking orange juice, man.
0: Yeah. You know what's funny mm. is uh, some of these uh, these anchorages using this same same recipe yeah. are are very acidic, very hazy, that kind of thing. This is kind of like that. It's kind of like Sunny D. Like it's yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. super smooth, super right off the the bat citrusy and and sweet but not sickly sweet, right uh like it's that fine line that it's kind of balancing and so, uh so like
1: sunny d, but less like drinking a perfume bottle, yes,
0: yeah, yes yeah, exactly yeah. right yeah. <laughs> uh and yeah, this is just delightful, mm. oh, that's so good.
1: I'm think, I think I'm think i going to finish this one pretty fast. This is really good. <laughs> I, got right. a couple, I got a couple of extra bottles, too, and I gave one to John. So we'll see what he thinks of it.
0: Nice. All right. So uh, we do have a $10 super chat from Elmist. Thank you very much. Uh, evening, gents. Drinking a Stella. Looks like Gamers Nexus actually made the 12-volt uh, high-power cable melt multiple times. Haven't seen the video yet. Curious mm-hmm. to see what what they did on it. I know they also x-rayed the cable, um although I'm not sure what information that's gonna gleam that you know, Tom's hardware and cutting the top off of it with a with an angle grinder won't tell you. but <laughs> uh, but yeah, no i I'm curious to see what he found uh, if if angle or overall wattage or you know individual shorts yeah. or plastic melting, like what? what actually happened uh, yeah there's been
1: lots of theories and no right there's answers. lots
0: of theories and no discredit to gamers nexus but i don't know that any of us in the media are qualified to definitively give an explanation to why something happened we can posit our theories but yeah <laughs> so We'll see what happens with that. Uh, I've tried to remain fairly silent on on the whole deal. Number one, I don't have any firsthand experience with the cable. I can't comment on quality. I can't Mm -hmm. comment on experience or anything like that. So I've I've been trying to, you know, hold my distance. We do have it in the news today, specifically to talk about NVIDIA's initial response to this. Uh, And, you know, to to give NVIDIA credit, they are acknowledging the problem, uh, but they're... Again, they're being very cautious as they're approaching this. Um, in fact, we might as well just talk about that now since that was a perfect segue. Uh, okay, and yeah, we'll, there we go. And then we'll back <laughs> up to the first story because this was story sure. number two, so we might as well. Yeah. Um. So NVIDIA has made it clear they are aware of potential issues with the RTX 4090 16-pin adapter. Uh, they said, quote, we continue to investigate these reports. Uh, However, we do not have further details to share yet. NVIDIA and our partners are committed to supporting our customers and ensuring an expedited RMA process for them. Uh, Over the past few weeks, there's been numerous theories and suggestions on how to fix the 16-pin power connector from melting within RTX 4090 GPUs. However, none have come to a single decisive answer that solves everyone's problem. And that was kind of what I was alluding to with the, I don't think we in the media, even those with, you know every sample of every card are going to get to the bottom of this answer because uh, NVIDIA confirmed in another story uh, two days ago on Monday that there are two manufacturers of the male and female plugins that are on these cards. So there's there's two manufacturers of the mm-hmm. uh, of the uh, header itself that is attached to the GPU, and then there's another manufacturer of the uh, plug that is either the adapter or or whatever that plugs into the gpu um so narrowing down individual batches of graphics cards to figure out which one is probably possibly produced with a different material plastic within a certain manufacturing batch like yeah that we're getting into esoterra of quality control and manufacturing and recall and everything else that Again, no discredit to anyone else who has investigated this issue, Jays Two Cents, Gamers Nexus, you know, etc. Um, even with a dozen cards, we as, you know, reporters, consumers, enthusiasts, or even journalists are likely not to get to the bottom of an issue other than right. reporting what we can see. Uh, and what, yeah,
1: what, what you found and what you, what you think could possibly be the problem, right. because you don't really have access to batch numbers, you don't really have access to manufacturer specs, you don't have access mm-hmm. to anything that NVIDIA does or possibly can get a hold of, so you're really just guessing what worst case scenario could be.
0: Remember when the 3000 series came out and it was capacitor gate? Yeah. Oh, oh board, yeah. boards with this style capacitor on the back don't seem to be uh, uh, crashing, but boards with this capacitor style on the back do. Yeah. And then there's mixed results with mixed capacitors on the back. And does AMD know better because they only use the second type of capacitor, and not the first? Yeah. And blah 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 blah.
1: <laughs> and the thing is, is that this isn't really hurting NVIDIA sales at all because the right. the the forty the the forty ninety is still sold out everywhere mm-hmm. just about the 4080 just came out that's sold out everywhere so it's not necessarily hurting their sales yet because apparently it's happening but not extremely widespread so I don't know you're, you people are buying these things thinking like well if it fries it I can just RMA it, get another one and maybe my you know Silicon Lotto will be better this time right who knows
0: um one thing I will say, and again, I have not seen the GN video. I, I want to make that clear. So I am kind of talking just out of my rear end right now. Uh, they sent it out to a pro, to a protesting lab. Mm-hmm. Again, speaking to the thousands of cards that have been sold and the, what, hundred or so that have come up with pictures of burnt connectors. Yeah. Um, we have no idea of batches we have no idea of of manufacture batch numbers we have no idea of specific inclusions or qc along the way or anything else yes we can verify that something happens to one card but is that the actual answer yeah that's that's the thing that i was i was trying to to state where just confirming that a problem exists on one particular card does not mean that is the magic bullet. That is the defect Mm -hmm. affecting every card. I am. Uh, and, and again, you know, going back to Ampere and capacitor gate and which, which manufacturers got it right. No, it looks like Gigabyte and Asus were cheaping out. Meanwhile, EVGA (laughs) did the blah, 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 blah. Uh, it turns out it was overly aggressive stepping on NVIDIA's, uh, Boost 3.0, and they oh, turned yes, it down I by 13 that. megahertz and and a couple of like nanovolts, and uh, and got them stable. All it was was a driver. It was a driver too aggressively a crank. cranking voltage, a, a a millistep too high, and they went, oh, that's easy to fix. Done. Oh, and <laughs> as it turns out, every single AIO manufacturer aren't in fact idiots when it comes to electronics design. You are. (laughs) Just saying. So in in instances like this, I am not an electrical engineer. And again, no offense to Gamers Nexus. neither is Steve. Now, he does a phenomenal job reporting, and he does a phenomenal Mm -hmm. job trying to eliminate variables. But if he sends one video card to one protester and they test it one way and come up with one answer, he's missed every other variable. That's right. not eliminating variables. That's that's not you know coming to a conclusive answer. In my opinion, as a journalist, so
1: well, well, just seeing the this, the myriad of of reason, I think there's like three or four prominent thoughts behind the reason behind it, and all of them kind of seem to be valid. I don't know. Um, who knows? I mean, honestly, who knows? Right. Someday we'll find out. Yep, someday we'll find out. Um, Steve and the gang will get to the bottom of it, and we'll all know it was really (laughs) Mr. Witherby. We would have gotten away with these
0: melting (laughs) graphics cards if it weren't for those darn kids and their meddling dog. If it weren't for that Steve Burke and his damn cat. (laughs) But, uh, and I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't try to investigate these issues, but I, I... I'm kind of caught in the middle here (laughs) Um, and and I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to piss off all, all GN's fans or Steve Uh himself, because I I, I'm legitimately a fan of Steve. I like Steve. He's, he's a cool guy. He does really excellent content. Uh Um, But there are certain instances as a journalist where you can try to investigate too much, too fast, too hard, too groundbreaking um there are the way that i do it on the show is the way that i like to do it where i talk about the week prior and has nvidia done anything yet and if not you know given like six reports in one week right i wouldn't expect a pr response but given a hundred reports over three weeks yeah, we're to yeah. the point NVIDIA needs to acknowledge and start saying, at least we're investigating, and start saying, here are a couple possibilities, here are some remediations consumers can take in the meantime. These things don't move overnight, because, no. like I mentioned about variables, NVIDIA has to test every last variable as well, yeah. and they have variables that you haven't all even thought of yet, Uh ambient temperature and humidity and, and power quality within a certain blah, blah, blah. And it, right. like, think of all of the, uh, all of the gamers across the world and how many different scenarios these cards have self immolated yeah. in. Right. They had no conditions they were in. Yeah. Nvidia has to get to the bottom of each and every one of those to come up with a finite conclusion. So, Again, we should investigate as journalists, but I think we need to be a little more conservative when trying to find that one smoking gun. Yeah, because we're often not right when it comes to to, to, that.
1: to yeah, to be definitive to say, "Okay, I found the answer or I found the solution." Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that because I I absolutely agree with you there's so many other variables that could contribute mm. to it. Uh yeah. but you know, to say like, hey, this is what I experienced and this is what could be it, right, is helpful to NVIDIA and it's helpful to everybody else to maybe okay, yeah, totally. maybe that could be it. Totally. Yeah. You know, um, if, if
0: I had two or three cards, I'd probably be investigating what I could and and delivering the answers that I could provide. But yeah. I'm not gonna stand here and say, like, I found the problem. Yeah. Because I, I understand large bulk manufacturing from multiple right. partners on a global supply chain. Like I get that there's more yes, than yeah. I can grasp by testing three video cards here in my office. <laughs> yeah. It's um, like I was playing
1: CSGO in 4k when it yeah. was raining outside. That's what caused it.
0: Yeah. You know, a, but uh, anyway, <laughs> and again, I have not seen the video. It's on my playlist. I just haven't made it to it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I am curious to see exactly what he finds. Is it bend radius? Is it, is it, you know, in insufficient, uh, gauging on wires. Is it, uh, you know, poor contact? Is it, what is it, you know, is it solder joints? Like there, there's so many different answers just in the plug and, and header assembly, let alone in the, the amperage and voltage and and current draw and everything else that goes along with how much heat is being broadcast through that cable, which can cause melts and shorts and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, Um, So yeah, like I'm not trying to throw Steve under the bus. I, I'm I'm simply aiding at caution when it comes to media. Uh definitively saying we found the smoking gun. Right. Um I mean who remembers Reddit we did it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh there there's also a standpoint in the media where we also need to be the ones that are pressing NVIDIA for an answer. Like, because we as journalists and media have platforms, which are more influential, and there's that word that I absolutely hate, uh, that can help hold NVIDIA's feet to the proverbial fire, or in this case, the literal one. One
1: one poor person or a couple poor people who, you know, this happens to, uh, they complain to NVIDIA, NVIDIA is just going to brush them off. But if it gets a lot of media attention, um, that's going to put their feet under the fire and get mm-hmm. them to look into it to make to to see if it's an legitimate issue or not.
0: Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh. So now people are trying to uh, yell at me that I haven't watched the video and I'm commenting. Um. I did read the Tom's Hardware article, which does include a synopsis of the Gamer's Nexus video. Uh, which is, uh, the 16 pin adapter is using underspec 150 volt cables instead of 300 volts. So they're not, they're not rated for the, for the amperage of, of that particular, you know, load that is being designed. Um, but it's hard to say, I'm not an engineer and no offense to Steve, but neither is Steve. And yes, he's, they sent it to a protesting lab. Um, it's not difficult to ascertain specs off of cables though, and say yes or no this this current should work on this particular gauge of cable times the sixteen pins that are inside of it um if if g n did in fact find that the gauge was incorrect, that's a heck of a problem uh, but yeah. Uh, he's also not NVIDIA. NVIDIA also isn't the ones that necessarily manufactured the cables, but are the ones that did distribute the cables within their box and set up the spec for the cables to be included and and in part of their, part of their order. Again, global supply chain, multiple OEM, multiple manufacturer. Mm-hmm. There are far more issues than just, oh, NVIDIA specced this wrong. I guarantee, almost guarantee, that's probably not the definitive answer. I'm just saying. And I'm not defending NVIDIA here either, because yo, graphics cards are catching on fire. That's not good. Yeah, cool.
1: yeah. It's, it's happening, so we can't ignore it. Yeah.
0: Has nothing to do with gauge. Yes, yes it does, if they're using under 150 volt instead of 300 volt. That has everything to do with gauge and insulation of the particular cable. I do know enough about electrical transference and cable ratings. I, I worked in low volt long enough to understand your Cat5 cables are rated to 150 volts. Do they transmit 150 volts? No, no. <laughs> but that's the rating of the cable. Like I said, my initial thought was not all cables being properly seated or terminated. Uh, causing higher amperage through other cables in the set. And since they went with thinner gauge cable, being more susceptible to heat. And so if you've got a 16 pin cable and two of your grounds are off, well, then you're going to be pumping more heat through the rest of the cable stack, potentially over Uh Like I said, anyone can make educated guesses here. Uh, yeah,
1: but we don't really know.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And yeah, uh, Johnny Guru from Corsair, who, by the way, is an engineer, uh, also has a different theory on the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and and his has to do with termination. Uh, and 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 he's leaning kind of the way that I was leaning right out of the gate of, you know, with such small connectors and sm- such finite, you know, space in there, especially trying to cramp all those small gauge wires into a very tiny plug to save space. Maybe there's an issue with termination or continuity or connectivity all the way through. Yeah, I
1: think it was, he was pointing more to his Connectivity where it wasn't really plugged in all the way, or not possibly reaching all the way. I think is what his uh, conclusion was, or, or his yeah. thought on it, anyway.
0: <laughs> all I heard is, "I'm not using my Ethernet cables to their full potential." More power. <laughs>
1: That's right. It's more. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, he did one test where he only ran two of the six conductors, and it still wasn't able to overheat. But again, what was your power supply conditions? What you know? Were there other safety? checks in place that they didn't bypass. There are so many variables to testing like this. And again, I mean, no offense to Steve or the third party thing that did that. They're not NVIDIA. They don't have the tools and experience or even insider knowledge of the development of that card and the specifications of the cables to make that determination. That's my opinion. So bad crimps or bad solder joints will do it too. And that was, again, one of my things. Is there a bad solder joint or, you know, uh, uh, inappropriate solder or under solder for melting point uh, used on the, on the connector bridge? That's a, a theory too. So what I'm trying to say to the Gamers Nexus crowd in the audience is just because Steve said it doesn't mean that is the definitive answer. He could get it right, but I think... Going with, like, well, he did an independent test. There's so much more at play here. I want to hear from NVIDIA what the problem is and what the remediation steps are going to be. Because they know so much more than Steve sending one video card to a private tester. That being said, NVIDIA, there's a problem here. Shit's on fire, yo. Yeah. (laughs) So... Have I thoroughly offended everyone here? Excellent.
1: Mm. is saying it's a feature, not a bug. It's their new s'mores feature. Right. You can cook s'mores on your card if you want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> May invalidate the war- warranty if you do cook s'mores on it, but you can cook s'mores on it.
0: Uh, there's a couple of people saying he didn't 100% say with certainty that that... That's the issue. But a couple people up further in the comment section did. Well, he seemed pretty definitive in the video. That's the problem. (laughs) Is at the end of the video, I'm going to wrap it up with a nice bow. And I do this with all my videos saying, like, these are the results that I came to. Um, (laughs) Hardware Haven. I feel sufficiently offended. Cool. (laughs) I have achieved my goal of of making you all think critically about information that's being presented. And I, I include myself in that. I'm I'm no expert on most things. I do have a wide range of experience in a great number of different fields, and I would consider myself an expert in specific fields. Um, but that doesn't mean my opinion is any more valid than anyone else's in this industry, uh, especially given the large slate of of journalistic material we usually have to cover on tech channels like this. Even when I'm more slanted server and Steve is more slanted consumer stuff, We do have a ton of crossover and we have things that are well outside our normal area of expertise. Um, I had this conversation with with uh, Dr. Ian Cutras quite a few months ago of, uh, you know, he's a material scientist. You're not going to hear him, you know. Speaking about the pros and cons of layer three mixed topology on on your your network and firewall interfaces, because that's not his expertise, nor am I going to comment on the use of cobalt versus something else in the manufacturing process of silicon, because that's not my expertise. Now, I might read in an article that something is supposed to be a certain way and go, oh, yeah, it's because they're using, you know, this cobalt instead of blah, 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 blah. And he mm-hmm. might read like, I heard you should have geographically diverse, you know, WAN exit points for your, your corporate network. And uh, but does that mean we're experts on the other subjects? <laughs> it's no,
1: It's because they're using the the mythical beast cobalt instead of the material cobalt. They actually mm-hmm. read mm-hmm. it. Honestly.
0: Right, they actually they accidentally summoned a cobalt. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: the yeah, summoned a cobalt. That's the problem right there. Demons are living in your hardware, yo.
0: Suddenly, there's a Chevrolet revving a four cylinder out back. <laughs> How did that get here? Oh God, it's a cobalt. <laughs> Everyone happy now? Okay. Hell oh, yeah, Chevy Cobalt. Oh crap! I forgot you drive one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's my wife's car,
0: not mine. <laughs> <laughs> wait, oh, wait, Steve has a cobalt. <laughs> Uh, uh, So Jake comments, and he says he did an independent test yet, and then he said he makes no conclusions. Now he has conclusions, and it's none of what people seem to be talking about, even when they're quoting him. And again, that's a lot of the problem. Of people watching YouTube videos and suddenly becoming experts. You you get capacitor experts and, and electronic mm. engineer engineering experts when it comes to micro voltage fluctuations in NVIDIA's boost clock theorem and, and whatnot when you don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I know enough that I don't know, though. Like, do you see the difference? And, yeah. and so my my reaction to to the Ampere capacitor gate was much the same as it is here. Obviously, there is a problem. No one throwing darts at a board is going to come up with it without NVIDIA looking at their entire global supply chain, all of their different manufacturers, all of their different specifications, all of their different AIO designs that they had to submit to NVIDIA to get approved. To And by the way, NVIDIA is super strict on how you can utilize the gpus that they provide you that there there are so many hoops to jump through which is why evga doesn't make graphics cards anymore yeah, they, they got tired go. of jumping through those nvidia hoops and taking 100% of the risk in a business transaction with none of the reward but that's neither here nor there but what was it at the end of the day was it that gigabyte and asus cheaped out on capacitors no it was that nvidia's boost clocks were 13 megahertz too high Problem solved with a driver update. Can we move on? Oh. So are we all agreed that the RTX 4090 is too expensive? Yes.
1: Yes, it is.
0: I'm not saying the RCX, RTX 4090 shouldn't exist. I'm saying that it is too expensive to exist as the only GPU that NVIDIA launches for... Six months to consumers. When's yeah, the last? Was... When's the last time that Nvidia actually managed to launch a sub five hundred dollar graphics card?
1: Like, like for their flagship, for their first one? No, no, no. It no. period.
0: When's Nvidia's oh, last five hundred dollar MSRP or less graphics card? It well, was the thirty sixty and thirty sixty Ti. Yeah, I was just gonna
1: say the thirty sixty is like the last
0: one I saw under. Have 500. they sold for under five hundred dollars until like literally two months ago? Nope. No.
1: no, they just recently got that sub 500. Do you category. see the problem
0: with this? That just four or five years ago, when we had Pascal as the top end graphics card, yeah. that a GTX 1080 sold for 599 the best graphics card you could buy as a consumer was $600. Yeah. Now we've touched a thousand dollars a couple times with things like the Titan, you know, X mm-hmm, and and, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody's
1: dream card at the time or something like that. Yeah. Right. They're like, you know, In a, if I win the lottery, this is the card I'm going to get. You know, yeah, Ferrari
0: touts out the LaFerrari, and everyone goes, yeah. "Oh my god!" But ever, but at the meantime, no one can even afford the Scuderia F430. So who cares? Uh, the problem is, Nvidia's base card right now is the 3060, and it's a freaking Scuderia. Like yeah. no one can afford it. Four hundred and fifty dollars for a graphics card in today's market, economy, well, inflation, whatever the bloody I, hell I you think, want to call I it. I think
1: they saw they saw like you know the three thousand series, you know, getting boosted by all those cryptocurrency miners and seeing that people were still willing to buy those things at those crazy prices. And they're like, Well, if the market bears those price, let's go put it out there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, well, we'll just lower the price. No big deal.
0: Uh, Willful says thirty seventy MSRP was five hundred dollars. Yeah, and you know what most people paid for it seven fifty no, to nine hundred.
1: Yeah, I, I, I have not seen the thirty the three thousand series MSRP until recently. It's only hit MSRP recently.
0: Literally since the 4090 was launched, yeah. you can yeah. finally buy Ampere cards at MSRP. And by mm-hmm. the way, the 3070 is still well over $500 for most AIB cards. Mm-hmm. The Founder's Edition doesn't exist anymore. You can't buy one if you wanted one.
1: Maybe so, you can find one, but I wouldn't trust it.
0: Right. Yeah, because it's been mined and then pressure mm-hmm. washed out, mm-hmm. outside of a you know, mining sweatshop. Yeah. Um, but yes, the 4090 is too expensive because only the cream of the crop can afford to buy it. But at the same time, I don't think you necessarily need a 4090 to play games. You and don't.
1: it's bragging rights at this point, honestly.
0: Right. Yeah, the, the, the problem is that there hasn't been an affordable graphics card for at least three years. No. In any space. So I'm kind of hopeful. I have here on my desk, and I'm going to be testing tomorrow in in pretty hardcore fashion, the Intel A770, $349. Oh, okay. Not bad. Um, and uh, I, I briefly got to play with it last week um, uh, to some pretty good results. Uh, but we did take this PC to PDX land with us. This was the PC that Rhett gamed on. Uh, we didn't take the A770. And the reason being was I had heard so much discrepancy about potential DX11, DX10 uh, uh, inefficiencies. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to, like, find some other people and go like, hey, let's dive into this game and go nuts with it. And then Rhett not be able to play that game because DX10 didn't agree with his A770. So... We ended up taking one of my RTX A5000s instead and putting it in there. <laughs> um, and so... you ended up mostly
1: playing old school Unreal Tournament. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Um, yeah, we, we played Risk of Rain 2. Uh, oh, okay. We did some Rocket League. Uh, okay. Rhett legitimately spent five and a half hours on one boss in, in uh, Elden Ring.
1: Wow. But... Elven Rings mostly single player though, right? I mean, oh, it's I all single it player. Like, it's all yeah. I mean, but it's got it's got interconnected multiplayer elements. You can observe um,
0: players that are on the right. same map at the same time yes. as you. But, yes, but, but it's, it's not, not like there's yeah. Yeah, it's not co-op or multiplayer in a traditional right. sense, right? Yeah. Um, but no. Uh, so we got back from dinner on I think it was Saturday night, mm-hmm. and. Uh, What's really funny is normally like you play video games for two hours and it's like, Oh, go go eat dinner and then put the kids to bed. Oh, I'm gonna go to bed. I'm tired.
1: You're like, nope, we, I can come straight back. <laughs>
0: we played for like twelve straight hours. Yeah. And then went to dinner for an hour and a half or two hours, had a couple of beers, came back to the LAN and gamed again until one thirty in the morning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the last time that I did oh, that. Oh yeah. But well,
1: that's that's the thing. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah.
0: so we got huh, we got back to the land at about nine o'clock. Uh, from nine o'clock to one thirty, Rhett played the same ten minute sequence again and again and again and again and again. And, again. and uh, bless his heart, it was so hilarious. At one point, um, he he had the boss down to like a sliver of health, and he's taking his final swing, and the boss uppercuts him. And and kills him, <laughs> and no, uh, like like, uh, and I'm glancing over and I'm trying not to laugh, yeah. and uh, because this is like two hours into his run, and uh, and I'm I'm just, <laughs> and uh, and he goes, okay, okay, I think I got it this time, I think I got to figure it figured out, and I, like, are you sure? He goes, yeah, I think I got it this time. So he weaves his way back through the dungeon, which by the way, it's like eight minutes just to get to yeah. the boss. Right. Uh, from his save point, um, so he weaves his way back through the dungeon, and in his very next attempt, he gets perfected by the boss. (laughs) Doesn't even land a hit. Just
1: totally, totally wipes him out. Just
0: totally wipes him out. All right,
1: red button for punishment. There, I guess. Yeah.
0: Uh, Cosworth says he'll go to the next PDX land. Uh, if you are planning on going, you need to buy tickets like now because Mm -hmm. I ordered my tickets this afternoon and they were already almost sold out. Oh wow. Uh like we got one of the last pairs of seats together in the entire place. Uh so anyway, uh yeah, PDX land was fun. Uh but he did eventually beat it at like eleven o'clock the next morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta take a break. You gotta mm-hmm. take a
0: break because you get too
1: into it, you can't see where you're screwing up. And you yeah. take a take a break, 15 minute break, 20 minute break, whatever. Come back. Usually you have a clear head.
0: Yeah. Uh, so there was a comment about no one needs the 4090. Uh, and I stand by that. No one really needs the 4090. It's great to have it, though, if you have all of the other drivers necessary to yeah. game at that level. And if the software will let you, because we've run so many times into software limitations on actual game engines over the years. Um we see this in some games that'll top out at a certain level like hitman likes to top out at 175 which makes it not a very good test anymore even though it scales beautifully from entry level you know you know amd 6400 all the way to a 4080 um but then all of a sudden once you start hitting 4k and 175 fps it goes i don't know what to do anymore Uh, i don't know yeah
1: you hit max, so you're
0: like, so, what's the point? So, you know, do testers still test hitman three? Well, if they do, they hit they hit a bottleneck and they go, Ah, sorry, they're done. They're, yeah, I can't do anymore. So blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. um but every result is still a result. And and somewhere someone's taking advantage of 4090 level horsepower because they've got 4k and they're trying to game at 240 hertz or whatever else, and that's cool. Um mm-hmm. Steam says most people still game at 1080p, though. Like, 15% yeah, are on 1440. Kind of but but no, we all know. have to have a 4090, right? Yeah,
1: 1440 monitors are coming down in price. Like, pretty cheap. Like, decent ones, too. Like, really high refresh 175
0: rate. 175 bucks for a 27-inch yeah. 1440p yeah. 144 hertz.
1: So people who aren't... Well, you know what I think it is? I think it's the prevalence of uh, gaming laptops. People want gaming laptops. Uh, because, you know, they could take it With them do schoolwork or whatever like that and then go back and game Mm -hmm. not a big deal most of those are still 1080p there's not too many gaming i mean they probably are but Mm -hmm. uh a little more expensive so they're gonna go for the more affordable route get a nice gaming laptop that's at 1080p
0: yeah
1: um and i bet you that's what a lot of people are doing
0: yeah so yeah it's i do have a story about pdx lan uh, more oh, yeah. more accurately the lead up to PDX land, uh for this week. Um, so those who watch the channel, those who watched my ITX build, my all Intel gaming PC, which was a 13600K and an Intel Arc A770. Frickin' awesome PC. By the way, the custom cables came in for it today. So we've actually got like some sky blue and white cables inside of the build. It's all Intel. You had to go blue, right? Um, and it's looking fantastic now. Uh, at the LAN, we use an A5000, just out of sheer cowardice on our part. <laughs> Meanwhile, my gaming rig, uh, my... There it is. Uh, my heavy metal PC, the copper mm. tubing, solid steel PC. Um, I freaking ran Linux with that at the LAN. Oh, wow. I... And I... I had... Almost no problems. And I say almost because it was the weirdest thing that ended up biting me ever so slightly. Um, so I don't like over-the-ear headsets. I feel a little claustrophobic when I do that. So I, I much, much prefer in-ear. Uh, so I went ahead and took this set because this, this, mm-hmm. uh, my Sennheiser IE40s are insanely comfortable to wear for long periods of time. Uh, like I've worn them for six hours at a time. Never a problem. Uh, wore them at the LAN for well over 10 hours in a single sitting, never had a problem. Um, And I have a replacement cable that has a microphone on it. So I went, oh, I'll just use these as a headset. Um, And just as a little added insurance to making sure I could use them, I brought my Sound Blaster XG6, Uh which is a USB sound card, headphone Mm -hmm. amplifier. Uh, It's a high gain amplifier, so it powers these wonderfully well. Uh, And... Uh, it has input on the front of it for a headset for a four pole connection headset. And I went perfect. Perfect. I'll just, I'll just have that little box on there. It runs a USB cable off the main PC. I don't have to like run my headphones up and plug them in behind. It'll be great. Um, ran pop OS 2204 LTS, uh, ran steam with proton. Every game that I played played perfectly. Like, like, holy crap. Perfectly. Um, Except, Creative doesn't happen to have sound drivers for the, uh, the XG6, so while it was able to provide sound to me, no problem, and the the audio dials worked, and a couple of the little, like, little plug-in things worked, um, you couldn't use the headset input.
1: Oh no, so no, no microphone.
0: No microphone. You're,
1: you're you, talking to nobody.
0: You could. Now there's three different inputs on that. There's the optical line-in, there's a microphone mm-hmm. input, and then there's the input from the headset jack. You could switch between the other two if you go into the Ulsa Mixer inside the Linux terminal and you configure exactly the routing for the ins and outs that you want. Right. A little bit of a pain, but it can be done. Um, unfortunately, even the headset input didn't appear in the Ulsa Mixer. Like, it oh, to Linux, no. it's That's entirely easy. invisible. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, so I had to use my web... I, I dropped a webcam into my, my bag on my way out the door on Friday morning. So you used morning. the microphone on the webcam? So I used the microphone on the webcam. <laughs> it was so awful. you sounded,
1: sounded hollow and tinny and... Hollow and
0: tinny and everyone screaming and shouting all around me, and it was yeah. awful. Yeah. Um, but that's not my story for PDX LAN. My story for PDX LAN is the failure of a modded PC that I attempted and is probably my most discouraging failure to date. And if you can think of like all the fails that I've had on my channel, this one's up there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had planned and I've been planning this mod for almost a year now. Like I've, uh, I've over a year probably. Um, So as soon as I bought a 3d printer, I knew one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to create a Star Trek themed PC where the warp core was the pump and reservoir for the system. Like I've had this design in my head since before I bought a 3d printer. Um,
1: I remember you talking about it. Yeah.
0: Found some models online, tinkered with them quite a bit. Um, there, there's one guy who created a warp core lamp where it could be like a pulsing lamp or you could just like turn it on and it's, it's bright and looks great. Um, and I took his design and I heavily modified it to fit in an EK-D5 pump and pump housing, uh, and then a small reservoir that I had found uh, that fit perfectly inside the warp core tube, went through like six or seven different iterations of the, the design to make everything fit and like collapse onto itself and look phenomenal. Um, had channels cut out for LEDs that I could run on the backside of it and um, was, was working on a couple of like extra things. Uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, I decided I'm going to go ahead and like just do this build for PDX Land. Um So, I wanted to bring a system that would show off VGPU, uh, as well as some water cooling, as well as some 3D printing, as well as some of my mod skills. And so, um, I, if it's going to be Star Trek themed, it's got to have a warp core. It's got to be hardline tubing. None of that soft core stuff. Uh, so, got to do hardline tube. Um, but since it's going to be VGPU, I took the motherboard and CPU out of my game server. And so I was going to water cool an Epic 7742 64 core (laughs) CPU. Um, now obviously they don't make RGB memory for that. So I bought some custom, uh, memory heat sinks with RGB on the top of them and custom wired all of them back so I could control the, the RGB on the memory. Um, I had two different LED bars uh, in the case. I had an LED bar for the back of the warp core to do the, the pulsing warp core effect. Right. I also had LEDs on fans and, and a couple other places throughout the case. Lots and lots of LEDs in this system. I also integrated a 17-inch LCD panel into the glass side panel of the case and had an L-Cars readout of all the system yeah. specs for the system. I had a Raspberry Pi that was powered off the main power supply that was driving that screen to, to display all this. And in fact, uh, my ultimate goal was to create the Raspberry Pi to be a web server and IPMI and KVM host so I could control that system from anywhere from the Raspberry Pi while the Raspberry Pi was also giving me specs. Like, I had a whole like slew of plans for the system, and most of it came together. Um... Now, to be fair, I probably should have started on this a couple weeks sooner, uh, but I started in earnest last Monday, uh, so just five days to go, uh, and it it really felt like you're watching a car show on Motor Trend, and it's like, boy, if we don't finish this one up, we're gonna lose the shop. Oh, yeah, like it's like we got a deadline, and we got to get this thing on a truck because we're going to SEMA. Like it, it was totally that kind of vibe last week, um, but. Oh, and we also did the ITX build last week too, uh, right in the middle of that. So right off the bat, I ordered parts Monday morning. Parts were supposed to arrive Tuesday morning. Parts got delayed, didn't show up till Thursday. Uh, So right off Mm. the bat, I'm like, I got to put off the the water cooling and some of the other stuff. That's okay, that's okay. I've got some other stuff to work with. So some of the parts came on Tuesday, some came Wednesday, some came Thursday. So I was like slowly tooling at everything that, that came in as it came in. Um, and, uh, we switched gears on Wednesday. We, we built and shot the video for the ITX build on Wednesday, like built, shot, produced, hit publish on Wednesday. It was, it was pretty impressive. Uh, switch gears back on Thursday to finishing up the, all the RGB stuff, all the custom things that I had mm-hmm. to do 3d printing wise and whatnot. Um, at one in the morning on Friday morning, I finally had the system fully together. I had all the wiring done. I had the LCD working on the Raspberry Pi booting up. I had everything going and I went, I could, the only thing I had left to do was mount the warp core to the bottom of the tray that it was going to sit on. So it didn't jostle around and do my hardline bends. And I went, I could probably do that in an hour and a half or two hours in the morning. I'm going to go get a couple hours sleep. And so I did. It it was a nice wrap up point. Everything was back together with the exception of putting the warp core and the water cooling in. Cool. Went to bed, woke up in the morning, um, full of piss and vinegar, like ready to go. (laughs) Like I'm I'm tired, but I'm so ready for this thing to be done. Had your
1: breakfast burrito and good go.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, So woke up and uh, Rhett came over at like 830 in the morning and uh, it's like, let's knock this thing out. Let's get to PDX land. Let's have some fun. And, uh, so I went, before I do the water cooling, I just want to do a sanity check on all my wiring. And, uh, now, if anyone's familiar with RGB lighting, most of us, I'm sure, are to some degree at this point. Um, non-addressable lighting, that is, single-zone lighting, you can to choose one color for an entire strip or set of devices, uh, is based on 12-volt. It's 12-volt mm-hmm. with, with a PWM line. Um, and then... Uh, There's also 5-volt addressable lighting, and that's the one where you can change the individual pixels or individual sets within a a subset of lighting. (laughs) All of my lighting was addressable. Uh, Now, the way I was powering this was off of SATA to barrel jack adapters that you can buy on Amazon, which deliver 12 volts. I knew this. Knowing this, I had also ordered RGB controllers that were addressable, uh, and I, I ordered two or three different varieties of them, and settling on like two different two different models. Uh, they, the RGB controllers themselves included DC to DC transformers on the on the controller, so you could feed the controller anything anywhere between five and twenty four volts, and it would deliver five volts to your RGB lines.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, I had tested these outside of the system, but I had tested these with my bench 5-volt power supply. Uh, so, Red arrives Monday mo- or, uh, Friday morning. We're getting ready to, like, I need to bend some tubes and get this thing ready to ship, ready to get in the truck and drive up to PDX LAN. Um, and uh, I, went, I just want to do a sanity check on the lighting. I just want to see the lighting work one time. It'll give me the energy I need to get through the bends, and we can go. Um... So, I plug in the power supply. I unplug it from the motherboard. I put on a little uh, 24-pin jumper so I can power up the power, power supply. Yep. Um, And I said out loud, no magic smoke, no magic smoke, as I'm flipping the power switch to on. <laughs> I flip the power switch to on, and sparks start shooting out of the top of the case. <laughs> I mean, like, like... Big ol' arcs and sparks coming out. Didn't even I move my hand. A- didn't can't even can't move work my work hand work. away from the power supply and just flicked it right back off. Mm-hmm. But the damage was well and truly already done because you may not know this, but electricity moves about the speed of light, uh, and it's way faster than my permanent switch or my stupid monkey thumb could adjust to. Um. So what happened was I used proper. RGB controllers with DC to DC converters that would accept anywhere from five to 24 volts. Yeah. And I fed it 12 volts and it should have worked just fine. Except one of them decided to send all 12 volts to everything on that line.
1: <laughs> Which made everything just explode.
0: Once you release the magic smoke, you can't put it back in.
1: Nope. It's gone. That genie's um, taken off.
0: So what happened? Um, one, so all of these, uh, these RGB controllers were on the same one lead coming off the power supply, which is more than plenty for the amount of RGB that I had in here. Um, Like, it sounds like a lot of different zones. I had three different controllers and like five different devices, but when it all comes down to it, it was less than a hundred LEDs. Like it's not a lot of current. Um, And uh, but also being powered off this was a DC to DC converter for taking in 5 to 24 volts and converting it into a 9 volt USB-C signal to power a Raspberry Pi 4 which was going to drive my LCD screen which also required its own 12 volt power controller or power converter. And so I was feeding 12 volts into the monitor, 12 volts into the Pi DC-DC adapter and then 12 volts into all of my RGB. Um well the RGB was all stepping down to 5, but for some reason something about the DC-DC converter on one of the RGB controllers Decided not to run at five volt. It decided to run at whatever 12. voltage it wanted. Yeah, who knows? Probably twelve. Uh, it, it, it might have been twelve, but that doesn't explain why the other things died. Because what yeah, it took yeah, with that's it true. was it. what it took with it was not the L C D controller itself, but the L C D panel died. Yeah. Um uh, also the Raspberry Pi power adapter died. Ugh. I double-checked and triple-checked my wiring both before. I wired everything up after I had wired everything up and gone to bed. And then, then before I powered it up for the first time. And then again, after I had powered everything on. Gremlins. Yeah. So luckily the power supply is fine. Um, It did trip the, the overcurrent protection on the power supply when it went off. Uh, and so you have to turn the power supply off for like 30 minutes and then you can turn it back on. Um, 1,200 watt power supply, by the way. Oh, not, yeah. a, not a cheap unit. No. Um, What's it rated? Gold? Platinum? Uh, platinum. <laughs> 1,200 yeah, so it's, platinum. It's a big one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, okay. <laughs> it's, it's not a cheapie. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> it, yeah it, no, no expense for spared.
0: Yeah, it, it's a big boy. Anyway, uh, so we were planning on showing off our this case mod out of booth and even if we didn't have the bends done i was going to bring my my heat gun and some piping and i was just going to do the bends in an hour sitting sitting down shooting the the crap with a couple the the pr guys that i know uh that'll be fun um you know give me something to do while i'm there for you know hour and a half or whatever we'll fill it up we'll bleed it and and people see it run and see the whole process and it'll be cool um nope nope Couldn't even show it off because it doesn't even light up anymore. So what's the point?
1: Yeah. That smelled like fried robot.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Luckily, the Raspberry Pi itself survived. Uh, So the Pi 4, I had a Pi 4 8 gigabyte in there because that was the only spare one that I had at the time. Luckily, that survived because, good God, those are like $200 a piece anymore. Um, uh, The power supply survived. My RTX A5000 survived. Those were connected to 12 volts still. Those were connected mm-hmm. to PCIe leads still. The motherboard was not connected, so it it was off the equation. Oh, fine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and all of the drives that I have are all NVMe, so they weren't connected either. But yeah, that could have been
1: horrible. <laughs>
0: um, it was literally like a Metallica finishing song. Uh, when I flipped that power supply though, because I hit the switch and immediately (laughs) just down the line of LEDs. Um, and it blew the centers out of all of them. Like it was insane. Um, yeah. So, but now I'm at the, at the point, I don't know if I'm going to finish this build because this build was 100% purely for aesthetics it was to showcase some VRGB goodness or VGPU goodness with the RTX A5000s and a 64 core EPIC and 256 gigs of RAM, but in a very stylistic warp core, like, holy crap, we're going somewhere with this kind of way. But now I just want to test my A5000s, which means I want to put them back in my air conditioned rack and just blow air out of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I um, want to do. I'm not going to water cool him. I'm not going to run the, the system water-cooled in my rack. You're a little, like, you're a
1: little uh, you know, gun-shy now.
0: Right. So I don't know if this mod will ever see the light of day. I'll I'll probably take what I learned from this, from the warp core. Like, there's a couple modifications I want to do to the warp core to make it fit in a case better. There's a couple of things that I want to do with the lighting that's a little bit different. Do I think that this system in the Tick Tower 500 in its current configuration will ever see the light of day? Probably not. So, Oh, well. No. Don't someday. let the failure stop Maybe. you. Oh, no, I have even more ambitious plans for for March's PEX lands. so please stay tuned. This is, um, I plan my case builds usually years in advance, uh... I have one that I've been cooking up for a long time and I think I finally have all the tools to do it properly. Um, so I have quite the case build that I'm hoping to cook up for for PDX LAN. For, for
1: it's going to be a giant spam can converted into a PC.
0: <laughs> Don't beat me to the fun part.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: uh, all right. Uh, so in an hour and 10 minutes, we've managed to talk about Nvidia power or Nvidia GPUs melting and why you shouldn't believe the first source you, you read, even if it is a legitimate source. Um, and, uh, we've talked about my failures at PDX land. Yeah. Oh,
1: that was the fun part. Yeah. I'm ready for another beer.
0: All right. Uh, before we get to that, we do have a couple of messages. Uh, first off Denver, I'm a member for four months. Thank you very much, Den. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, what upset me? People mostly fine with 60 Ti dies and 60 Ti memory bus. Uh, being initially launched at 900 with an 80 name, only ca- only some calling it a 70 Ti. Uh, I'm a- I'm assuming you're referring to Ampere because the the 3070 Ti was kind of that. Although so was the 3080 or the 4080. Um, most people were not okay with the 4084 gig or 4080 12 gig existing at all because Mm -hmm. it was only three quarters of what the actual 4080 16 gig was supposed to be um and you know kind of circling back to our jobs as journalists and media and things like that is giving feedback when we smell bs in the water uh and you can't package seventy five hundred CUDA cores on one card and ten thousand on another and call them equals. You can't name them the same thing. You know, me- Mercedes doesn't name the SLR and the SLS the same thing. They're different right. cars. Uh, so, yeah. Uh,
1: not not yeah. I think they did. Well, they did. They did Kai one of those, right?
0: Uh, yeah, eventually... the, the, yeah. they mm. kiboshed the 12 gig. And they said, we're yeah. unlaunching the 12 gig. Right, because it should be a 47 yeah. gig. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and again, our job as media is to do things like that. Um, one of my favorite things that often gets repeated by people who have no idea what they're talking about is... Uh, I saw this today. Uh, someone that I that I follow on on Twitter, may it rest in peace, uh, uh, commented about Linus Tech said the the forty eighty was too cheap, yet this other place said it was too expensive, or vice versa, or something like that. And uh, someone commented on that post and said, "Well." these are just two two companies that are reviewing things that have been sent to them for free. So, okay, let me explain something about reviews. A couple of things, actually. Number one, I don't care if I get sampled. I mean, I'd like to get sampled because at the end of the day, it is still money out of pocket, but me purchasing a product at retail is not going to supersede my expectations of right. said product and what the end cost would have been to me as a consumer. Most people who run businesses like myself, we have nothing but our integrity to stake on it. And I'm not going to give something a gold star. If in fact, it's a steaming pile of crap, I'm going right. to call it a seeming pile of crap. Now, again, you're asking me as a journalist to be subjective about some objective results depending on what my particular testing methodologies and standards are. And my standards have certainly differed with some others in the industry. I liked the 1650. I did. I said it when it when it came out. It was the new budget king. And I got lambasted for that comment. Yeah, I remember that. However, a year and a half later, when the 1650 was the only card that existed at $150, people <laughs> are going, Oh afford, my yeah. God, what a good deal at, at a graphics card this yeah. is.
1: Yeah, that's
0: why. Uh, anyway, uh, both myself and journalists who hated the 1650 were well within their right to voice those opinions. I liked the 1650. I liked the price point that it gave, but I also gave some very clear disclaimers about why I liked it and what price points I would like it at. And that the Mm -hmm. one that I received wasn't in a price point that I liked. Uh, but there's too much objectivity in reviews nowadays, I think. They're just well, is. Not, only,
1: not only that, there's a there's a lot of nuance, like you just demonstrated. A lot of people are looking for a thumbs up, thumbs down, right? Yeah. Is
0: this good? Is this bad? Is this good it's as is bad? It was this not is just the that. 4090 good? It's the best graphics card you'll ever buy, yeah. but it may catch fire. Like Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: also, you have to sell your firstborn to buy it. I mean, it's right. yeah, there's 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 other factors that you gotta look at. And uh developing a scale in which to judge that is not easy. The thing um, is,
0: developing one scale is not the right one answer either. Yeah, though. and
1: you're right, because there's all different kinds of use cases for different things.
0: There's all different styles of builds. There's all different yeah. end goals. There's all different yeah. performance standards or acoustic standards that people have when they're putting together a PC. This guy wants a small, compact water-cooled ITX thing that he never wants to hear, that he Mm -hmm. overclocks to the bejesus. And this guy has an ATX tower that lives in the room next to him because he uses USB-C Thunderbolt to transmit his thing. Like, those are two completely different use cases, and they're totally fine, and they're both totally valid, but they'll give you two completely different answers on whether or not you're satisfied with the acoustic and overall performance of said graphics card or said system.
1: Correct.
0: And... Testing everything on an open test bench with the fastest CPU that exists does not give you an answer of whether or not something deserves to exist or give you an answer of whether or not a consumer would be happy with it because no one's buying a 1650 to pair with a 13900K. Right. And so why would you test a 1650 on a 13900K? It doesn't make any sense. Unless all you're trying to do is objectively state the top-end performance of every card. Which is a valid number still, but is that truly a review of that card in a gaming PC? I don't believe so. But luckily, Gamers Nexus, that's the way he tests. Steve from Hardware Unbox, that's the way he tests. If you want absolute definitive results of how much better a certain GPU is than another GPU, those are the sources that you should be looking yeah. at because that's how they test things. That's not how I test things. I test things very differently. Are my results invalid? No, I use the same methodology they do when I'm testing. I use the same uh, high-low scales that they do. I do the same three runs across three very repeatable tests that I've done thousands of times before uh, in, in games at multiple resolutions, at multiple settings, that like I, I control all my variables the same way they do. Are my results different? Yes, because my variables are different. Right. They're both valid, though. Again, sorry to all the hardware and box fans, cameras <laughs> nexus attention. fans, and the... but yeah, um, yeah, it's I don't know how we got there from you know Nvidia calling a forty eighty a forty eighty, uh, but but here we are, um, but yeah, it... oh yeah, we we kind of weave through the woods well, of we uh, yeah 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 of uh, you know oh you just got something for free yeah. Which I brought up. No, you guys didn't. That's funny. Uh, Steve, you were opening another beer, and then I've got a yeah. super chat to read.
1: Oh, yeah. You, uh, you, uh, I'm going to do... Uh, I'm actually going to do the Black Hole Sun, actually. Mm. That that, that 4, yeah, 4X four Double Dry Hop, it kind of satiated my thirst for hoppy beers, so I'm going to go the exact opposite. And I'm going to go with a uh, Toasted Coconut Dark Ale.
0: So, I will say... The Anchorage Gentleman, you you said satiated your taste for for dry-hopped ales. Um, Mm. This finished just as smooth and just as sweet, but not sickly sweet and not acidic and Mm -hmm. and everything else as it started. And it's like 15 degrees, sorry, seven and a half (laughs) degrees warmer for you Celsius nuts, Uh, Mm -hmm. seven and a half degrees warmer than it was when I opened the can. It was still just as delicious as the first drink.
1: No, this was my my first beer was absolutely delicious. Yep. I I really liked it, and it and the scores they have on Untapped totally justify this beer. Yeah, but it was sixteen ounces, and I'm like, ah, I don't want to switch it up. Yep. Although, after taking my first sip, I don't know. This is um, it's kind of sour. I'm not expecting it to be sour. It's a little on the tart really? side, which is weird for a dark ale. That makes yeah. me think Something might have gone wrong here.
0: Yeah. Um. Uh, Tech Geek sends over $25. Mm. Evening Nerds made it home. I was told it was not a real first date if you don't blow your straw wrapper at her forehead. So I got that taken care of too. Excellent. Yeah. No, you gotta you gotta impress the lady and show her that you're willing to defend her in a, uh, yeah. in a diner brawl. So let her know what a good shot you are. Uh, it's always good advice. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Janos says, I use a 1650 as a three-monitor low-power display. Uh, There's craft computing. There's something different. Test the GPUs on your used Xeon servers. I've thought about doing that, but at the same time, I knew all my used Xeon servers are also within 10% performance single-threaded of each other anyway, whether it's a 2.5 GHz 2650v2 or a 2699v3. like They're all within that 125 to 140 single-threaded performance mark. It's not going to change much. And in fact, I did a video years ago, years ago, uh, like my seventh or eighth video ever on the channel when I said, why do I use Xeons? Um, Because gaming at 1440p, graphically, it made no difference whether I was running an 8600K or a 2680v3. It made no difference. No difference, yeah. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, same data, different results, because he's judging by different standards. Exactly. I I have different subjective criteria. And... So often like you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. So often consumers are looking for a should I buy this or no? I, mm-hmm. I, I get the question all the time, should I upgrade this? I don't know. Does it not work for you anymore? And do you have the money to do so? Because that right. sounds like a you question. Yeah. Um there's always an option for yes, there's an upgrade available unless you have a 4090 and a 13900K, in which case, no, there's no option available. There's nothing faster. Um, That's that's why
1: when I get people who are like, oh, I want to upgrade my PC. I want to buy a new graphics card. And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? What are you trying to accomplish? (laughs) I want to know that first. Um, Those are always good questions to know. Because like, yes, there's great new graphics cards out there, but if you're just going to sit there and, you know, play you know, an old version of a video game, just going to play Minecraft or something like that, you, you probably don't need to buy something super high-end.
0: Right. Um, yeah, and it, it it is such a difficult thing to, like, I want to upgrade my PC. Why? Well, it's a little bit slow. In what? Well, Fortnite does this. That's not the problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's a lot of people. Saying, I, I got to upgrade.
0: Right. And, and so... Yeah, it, it's kind of one of those things that requires some knowledge into the subject of what you're actually doing to even begin to ask that question. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to talk down to anyone. I'm just saying computer speed is a subjective thing. Is It is, um, God, I dealt with so many different people over the years. Oh, the, the one, my
1: favorite one, my favorite one is like, it's lagging. What is, what does that mean? My my favorite
0: <laughs> one, my favorite one. By the way, this is like 2009-2010. Yeah. yeah. Um someone telling me that they can detect micro stutters when they're inside windows, when using like word and Excel and outlook and, and things like and that. Micro be, stutters. <laughs> be, because, you know, like, like when I click on something, I expect it to just, just respond, just, just go. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm, I'm super sensitive to those like little stutters and little hiccups and hesitations that the computer might have. And it's like, Oh, you mean finding the data you asked for in some of the simplest applications to run? Right. Like what do you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, I like. It. I like it. Guess like what industry people, like, he worked in?
1: I'm not gonna the, say that. the thing is is like, oh I can't I can't stand it. My my computer's running so slow now. Yeah. When I first got it, it was so fast. Well when they first got it, they were they had one browser with one tab. Now they have fifteen instances of Chrome with all 20 tabs open up at once it's a crash and was going slow now.
0: They open Chrome they have 17 pinned tabs. Yeah, so.
1: exactly. <laughs> Let's <laughs> count the ways, shall we? Yeah.
0: yeah. Um so yeah. Uh we do have some hard drive news to get to some talk, yeah. hard drive talk. Uh we do have a $5 super chat from American Ooh, Cosworth nice. though. Uh $5, thank you very much Cos. Uh, Jeff thinks he's running a business, but we all know better. He's running the Craft or Hive Zeus and the other wallet-destroying ideas. Um, ironically enough, I've made more money from the Hive Zeus videos than any other video I've ever produced on this channel. That includes sponsored content. <laughs> really? Just from affiliate links alone of finding a $100 rack mount server that you can mm-hmm. buy that for shipped, assembled, and put into service you could you could have in your rack for less than $250 with rails and everything else that's nice yeah um i i have ebay affiliate sales numbers in the hundreds of thousands of dollars now that's not me received that's that's gross sales mm-hmm. but my affiliate links were responsible for i think right around $450,000 worth of Hive Zeus servers
1: wow Oh, well, they're pretty happy with you then? <laughs>
0: yeah. Wish.com got nothing on eBay Hive Zoo servers, let me just say. Um, so yeah. <laughs> it's okay, Jeff, remember to breathe, they can't hurt you anymore. <laughs> oh gosh. He always reminded me of the the character in Step Brothers, the it's the Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> it, it was it was that kind of energy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, oh, yeah. Seagate has Seagate. a hard drive they think might compete with solid-state storage in some applications. I'm not going to say it competes across the board. What I'm right. saying is in sequential read and writes, it's a contender. Uh, Seagate launches their second-generation Exos 2X series hard drives. Uh What makes these different from different spinning hard drives is these spinning hard drives have two actuating arms Mm -hmm. for those who don't know a very brief overview of hard drives and how they work. They have spinning platters in them that are magnetic. Uh, Those magnetic platters spin around between 5,400 and 7,200 RPM. That's revolutions per second. And there's typically a set of reader arms and a tip, and a set of platters. And so a three-platter disc will have, amazingly, three CD-looking things with magnetic data on them. They will then have reader arms that will kind of intersect those and will scan along the surface, kind of like a record player, looking for the data that it needs. The problem is it can only read or write from three points on those three spinning wheels at the same time. And those three reader arms are at the same XYZ coordinates as the disks are going around. So if it has to access, you know, X20 on one platter and X32 on another, it has to make multiple passes and multiple cycles to get both of those pieces of data. Now, what makes the X2 series of drives exciting is it has two reader arms that can cycle like like record players. Think of a record player but with two needles that that hit on the on the record. Uh yeah, you thought uh you know Nirvana played satanic summoning <laughs> songs. It can play two songs at once on a record. Play pl- play play smells like teen spirit but with four needles.
1: <laughs> you can have a very good reverb going on.
0: Well, there were plenty of needles in my son's room. Um, I don't know who I'm channeling there. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, these new drives have multiple reader arms, dual actuator arms on them, uh, and the same multiple uh, platters. And so, what they're able to do is, especially in sequential data reads and data writes, is if they're reading a whole bunch of of bits in a row, they can do it just as fast. As a solid-state drive, Seagate's new 18 terabyte drives are rated at 554 megabytes per second read.
1: That's fast.
0: That is ins- For HDD, insanity. It's very fast. That is insanity. Cached hard drives, so drives with like, you know, 20 gigs of ca- of flash cache storage on them yep. that are that's that will tear their storage. Aren't that fast. Intel Optane accelerator drives, the 16 gigabyte M.2s and mSATA uh-huh. drives that you could add to systems and then link together with a solid state with a mechanical drive, were not that fast. This is kind of crazy. Um, so Seagate is releasing uh, four different models uh, two 18 terabyte drives and two 16 terabyte drives. Uh, Two of them based on SAS, so that is a twelve gigabit per second SAS link, and two SATA drives based on six gigabit per second, um, and uh, slightly different actuator sizes. So as you can see, there's uh, there's some nine terabytes. Uh, there's two nine terabyte platters on the eighteen terabyte drives, and two eight terabyte platters on the sixteen terabyte drives. Uh, they are both helium filled drives, so it helps with. Uh, power efficiency and uh lowering the overall uh or sorry increasing the drive meantime between between failure because there's not as much there's not as much drag on the drive as it spins around that's a real thing um and uh the the crazy thing is when you get to the idle wattage of these because ssds at idle are basically zero the, you basically keep the controller alive at, like, right. 0.1 watts.
1: Because you don't have any moving parts in
0: there. Right. There's no moving parts. There's nothing to keep alive other than, like, hey, don't turn your BIOS off because you no. might need it. Um, but for years, hard drives have been in, like, the 15, you know, maybe 12 on some of the most efficient ones. Eight watts.
1: Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Eight
0: watts at idle. Especially with two actuating arms, too. Right. It's, it's absolutely nuts the power efficiency that they're getting out of these drives. And at peak, they're only drawing 13 watts. So they're drawing the same amount of power at full tilt as standard 7,200 RPM drives are drawing at idle. And if you're talking data center, yeah,
1: if you're talking large say, storage... There's a large storage NAS style drive. That's that you
0: thousands want. of dollars a year in savings uh-huh, in uh-huh. a single rack well, maybe not in a single rack, but in a data center full of racks. So pretty impressive stuff. Um, I have not yet seen these in action. I've been really anxious to. Um, Seagate started experimenting with these toward the end of my tenure when I was in systems administration, designing data centers and managing tech and things like that. I did get to see some at a show once, but really didn't get any hands on time with them. And I think that was back in 2019. Uh, And so I haven't really, I I never got to see their first generation in action, but I was always kind of intrigued by them. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see if their claims hold up, you know, Uh, is it just sequential or is there, I'm sure there's, there's benefits for read and write in both sequential and random IO. Uh, but how much of an improvement does this make over random? Is it twice as efficient? Are there two drive controllers? Are there two, you know, two set, like, how are they actually making these gains other than just being able to read two bits of data at the same time? Because you also have to figure in the controller side of things, you have to, tell each actuator where to gather the data from. Then the actuators have to find it. Then it has to transmit it from the platter while it's still spinning around for Mm -hmm. the other actuator to still grab in the same location. Like there's so many questions about the feasibility and the actual practice and performance of these. I want to kind of see them hands on.
1: Yeah. Well, you have a Seagate contact? I do. Oh, there we go. Start buttering them up now. Send them some beers.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's one thing I've never done—is send my PR contacts beer. There you go. That's probably a bad move on my part.
1: You got, you got to. Well, okay, you got to find out what they like first, mm-hmm. and then butter them up with that. Do they like bourbon? Do they like beer? What do they like? Right. Hookers? Right. Who knows?
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Denver uh, sends over five dollars. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, dang it, I just filled out my 10-drive file server with the old version. And the old um, version is
1: actually quite affordable still. I mean, right. it's, it's not bad.
0: It's still a good drive. And and yeah. for, for a number of years, manufacturers have been installing uh, or shipping drives with Helium. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, that's one of the main reasons I settled on HGST for most of my data center stuff here at home, uh, was that even some of their 6 and 8 terabyte drives were Helium-filled disks, which means the idle... Uh, workload of them is so much lower and mm-hmm. the chance of failure for a spindle failure is also so much lower because there's so much less drag. There's, there's so much more efficiency in the motor to be able to keep it spinning at 7,200 RPM.
1: The only problem is, is the clicking noise it makes is higher pitched because of the helium.
0: <laughs> it's actually probably <laughs> true. <laughs> I've <laughs> never know. recorded it, but it does travel faster through helium than it does through nitrogen. Yeah, so yeah,
1: yeah
0: i'm sure helium drives are higher pitched than
1: <laughs> gotta find that out now
0: huh? <laughs> uh. so how is your second beer your coconut uh, you know, stout
1: okay it's way way more disappointing than my first beer yeah. Uh, okay. That first beer was was well. Delicious.
0: After the third Very rated great. pale on 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 tap, <laughs> I would expect <laughs> you're going to step down regardless of what can you. No, open.
1: I no, I, I definitely am. But even even so, because okay, it's a dark ale, so I expected it to be more malty and roasty. But I'm getting these weird sour notes to it. That's just kind of so you get like coconuts there, but it's it's kind of tart. Like something went off. Like I've made stouts and porters in the past where something just they they tasted excellent at first but as they matured they turned sour this is what this tastes like so i okay. think something yeah. went wrong with this batch because it tastes it doesn't it's not going to make me you know puke or anything like that i don't think it went that kind of bad but right um it tastes like something went off on the thing so it tastes like sour coconut and it's not great so I'm going to try to chug it as fast as I can, and maybe I can go to my, my reserve beer, which is Suicide Squee Juice I've had before, and I know it's good, so. Ugh. How's your beer?
0: Uh, so this is the Pray for Pow. This is mm-hmm. the Winter Ale Turned Stout. Right, I'm curious about that one. Very reminiscent of the Pray for Snow. Has a okay. lot of the same malt flavor to it um and this sounds like a cop-out but ever so slightly darker
1: <laughs> yeah i guess you would you expect more roasty malts kind of a little bit more roasty a little bit more
0: malty but yeah. same general flavor to the pray for snow winter ale um hmm. uh, as i remember it so
1: it'd be interesting to have them back to back like pray for snow and the pray for pow it really the would they kind of different right.
0: yeah um if anything, this one's a little bit more bitter than I remember. Um it's so, li- sometimes
1: those roasted malts can get like a almost like a uh cooking chocolate bitterness to it. Exactly. Kind of flavor. And, yeah.
0: and and Pray for Snow was already a slightly bittering uh winter ale. Uh you it was know, it, on the hobby side, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there, there was uh, some of the hop oil that kind of stayed there. It was a very mm-hmm. dry yeah. winter ale. Um this is still very much in that camp. And I mean, if you add roasted malt into that that equation, I think this is where you land. And yeah. Well,
1: that's fine. <laughs> I guess maybe it's like, maybe not better or worse, but just a slight variant.
0: Right, yeah, it, exactly. And and But it's a variant that I definitely am happy that exists. Right. Uh, but yeah, it, it does sound like a cop-out. Like, oh, how's the winter ale versus the stout? Well, the stout is slightly darker. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> It's not like, oh, this is ten times more
1: amazing. It's like, no, that's Follow fine. me
0: for more beer reviews. <laughs> All right. Uh, John out of this next story, and you could probably guess why. And oh.
1: Did I accidentally close that one? I think I did.
0: Uh, it's the one oh, yeah. beer news we
1: have. Oh the one beer news, all right, I gotta switch my background then. Here we go. Okay. Dude,
0: don't don't waste don't waste your barrels on this. Um, so So Coors Light you know, the the king of cool and, you know, we have the color changing mountains, so you know when your beer is cold enough to drink. Oh, yes, that's right. Because when you're drunk enough that you lose the sensation of touch and heat variance, (laughs) Uh, you need to know if your beer is cold enough to drink. Uh, Apparently, they now have a nail polish that changes color when your beer is cold enough to drink.
1: Oh, man. (laughs) That um, uh, who are they marketing to? Because like I guess I guess I don't know. I mean I'm sure there's like a lot of female beer drinkers, but I don't know any of them that are real concerned about how cold it is. I mean I, they probably do have like uh, temperature sensitive nail polish already out there, right? They have to.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm sure they do. I'm <sighs> sure they do. Uh, but this one turns blue. Uh, oh you know. wow, that's so special. Yeah. I don't know. But that's in the, other that's news. Thing. Coors Light releases a mood-changing nail polish that was already on the market from Claire's circa 2002.
1: <laughs> I know. I was gonna say. I think, I think that would probably be more cool. Uh, but, but that's the thing. The whole marketing thing, and I think we've talked about this before with Coors, and they're like, "Oh, you've got to drink this thing ice cold." The reason why they want you to drink this thing ice cold is they you don't, don't want, want you to taste how terrible it is because <laughs> it's gross when it gets like even close to room temperature the colder yeah. you drink something the less you taste it and so you're like oh well this is fine if it's ice cold yeah, yeah. there's a reason why that is because they don't want you to taste how disgusting it is yeah uh, yeah that's so, actually true i mean yeah it's so i guess you know maybe having some nail polish on there and women who are more sensitive to like disgusting tasting things They'd be like, oh, this is warmed up. I'm not going to drink this. Yeah. Although, you know, it'd be nice in the opposite sense. They can they can check to make sure, you know, they can use it to see if things are warm enough for them. So they true. can be, put it in there. It's too warm, too hot. They test their bath with it. it starts turning red. It's too hot.
0: I, uh, I still use the good old-fashioned sensation of touch for that, though.
1: Like You would think that, uh, you know, millions of years of evolution would have helped you with that instead of having to buy nail polish, to tell you, but...
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand a a thing that physically goes on your body, or requires you to touch it all, Mm -hmm. will tell you if it's too warm or too cold to consume once you've touched it. Yeah. Your monkey monkey brain does that for you. I know. You're like, oh, that's cold. Okay. Never once have I grabbed a beer and been puzzled about whether or not it was too cold to drink or cold enough to drink yet. <laughs> yeah.
1: I didn't need an indicator. I mean, obviously, this is a novelty thing. This wait, wait hold
0: on. Is the dragon blue? Hold on. Nope, nope. Sorry, I gotta go back in the fridge. Can't open this one. Oh, no. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, it's all marketing and gimmicky stuff. Otherwise, I'd, I'd enjoy a 50
0: degree, you know, room temperature coffee stout. But no, the yeah. dragon is definitely telling Tell me, me
1: no. no. You got to wait till the dragon warms up.
0: Ah. All right. Thanks, John, for putting that utterly useless article in there. <laughs> Video <laughs> game movie adaptations. Yes. Usually a death nail. Yes. In... Usually a
1: death nail. And I, and I think this is what um, we're—they're gonna—they're gonna throw everything at the wall. And this and goes CBS back sticks. to ET. Oh,
0: oh no, sorry, but, that was no, the inverse.
1: That, that's, the inverse. <laughs> that's the inverse. That's the inverse. That's the
0: inverse. Video game movie adaptations, but the other way. So yeah. movies made from video games, not video games made from movies. Well, both have been death nails over the years. Just depends on the generation. Um, anyone? Anyone ever play Superman for the sixty-four? Oh
1: God. Oh, to be fair, Superman was a movie and a comic book. Comic book first, though.
0: So It was a comic book first, but it was a 90s TV show.
1: It was also an 80s movie. It was also an
0: 80s movie, right.
1: Yeah. And 90s movie, and 2000 movie. Yep. No, it was 90s TV show, 2000 movie. Superman's
0: been everywhere. Yeah, it was was Lois and Clark. Yeah, Lois and Clark in the 90s. Yeah. Anyway, uh, whenever you, you start crossbreeding movies and uh-huh. video games, one of the two, or sometimes both, usually die. Um, but Netflix is kind of all in on this idea as of late. And they're not alone in this, with HBO coming out with The Last of Us and Amazon not too far behind on a Fallout live-action series. yeah. Uh, Netflix is producing no less than 50, 50- team, Video game, movie, or TV series adaptations. Yes. Including League of Legends, Cuphead, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, uh, and more. Well, those are the ones that are already
1: out. Right. So they have they have that the, and, and actually Arcane was uh which was the League of Legends spinoff, which if you ever watch is good, but it doesn't really have too much to do with League of Legends as a video game itself. Just right. like kind of the world that was developed right. around it um the cuphead one i've never watched so i don't really know i can't say but i heard the cyberpunk one was pretty decent too and it I heard cyberpunk
0: caused, was pretty decent
1: I, it, it caused a spike in the sale because cyberpunk because of all of its issues and stuff like that when it first got released when this came out and it had some modicum of success actually boosted the sale of the game it had a kind of second resurgence mm-hmm. um so and I think because of the success Netflix is going well let's go uh maybe they had a lot of these plans in mind already but you could almost see this working where if they have some kind of modicum of success in a tv show or adaptation it's going to boost the sale of the game but man i was kind of surprised at some of the lists of some of the of the ips that they're working on some of them i'm excited for some of them i'm like kind of scratching my head Right. Um like I mean there's
0: like let, let's just go down the list. Like Bioshock, yeah, sure. I think there's excuse me, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um Bioshock, I think there's plenty there to explore in, yes. in the realm and the storytelling and the world building. Yes. Castlevania, Devil May Cry. I think those are all fairly decent. Right. Uh Dragon's Age, sure. Dragon's Lair is the first one where I kind of like raise an eyebrow.
1: Well, okay, beyond good and evil, I kinda raise my eyebrow first because The first game which i enjoyed was kind of a cult hit and the second game has been in like vaporware for almost as long as duke nukem was in vaporware we're we're approaching that level so there's no hype behind it there's no real uh i I don't know excitement behind it but maybe they're trying to develop it and gonna try to do a release at the same time maybe that's what they're going for I, i don't know
0: yeah but
1: um actually And I know what you're going for. Uh, uh, The dragon's lair. Did you see who's behind the dragon's lair? I did not. It's Ryan Reynolds. So Deadpool. So it's not going to be a serious. It's not going to be a serious thing. And as if the game
0: was super serious to begin with. It was Don
1: Don Bluth, who was originally a Disney animator, who got sick of Disney,
0: got sick of Disney, went over to went over to One Line Cinema.
1: Yeah, and then he opened his own studio. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he he did all the animation for Dragon's Lair and Space Ace and stuff like that. Yeah. That so was kind of silly. And I think they had a Saturday morning cartoon of Dragon's Lair, if I remember right, too. I kind of remember they did. I, I don't remember that. I don't remember either. I think there was something like that. So I can kind of see this kind of working out if it's a comedy and kind of funny. And with Ryan Reynolds behind it, it could, it could work. Yeah. Possibly. Um, it depends on how they do it. Yeah. So we'll the have the, to see. the
0: first one that I really question where in the heck people's heads are at is yeah. Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, Blood Dragon. which is <laughs> which is not Far Cry 3. No. It is the absurdity yeah. spinoff spin-off like, it was like
1: the, the retro 80s cyber nostalgia. It was Cyberpunk lasers.
0: 2077 placeholder. Yeah. But but also not taking itself seriously and also being extremely campy in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, like the, they had jokes within all of the the weapon descriptions of yes. like, uh, you know, bow and arrow use the pointy end to make things not alive anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so i have no idea what to even think about this one
1: and this is this is why i think they're just throwing everything out there they're like okay let's throw it out there see what sticks uh one thing could drive the other we can have like okay video game that the movie's a success or the show's a success we can have it drive the sales of the game or we can develop something more about the game mm-hmm. versus you know vice versa we can have one thing pull into the other because they're starting to see this type of thing, you know, when, when The Witcher came out and The Witcher had success, you saw sales of The Witcher increase, even though Witcher 3 had been out for years. Mm-hmm. But you saw sales increase all of a sudden. Um, yeah. Same thing with Cyberpunk. So they're thinking, okay, well, let's do these adaptations. But you're right, like Far Cry 3, no one's played that. I mean, it's, it's a one-time game.
0: Far Cry 3 was decent enough, but you're That's talking about fine. a niche, like, sub-release of... Yes
1: of it a triple A game though
0: it's not like you have to
1: own the original Far
0: Cry Right Blood playing. Dragon you is a standalone fight. game but yeah. it it was supposed to be a parody of like an 80s mm-hmm. cyberpunk action thriller
1: Yeah exactly yeah it was like it was like a B-rated movie turned into a video game
0: Yeah <laughs> it which is funny which I kind of dig
1: Yeah no I but I, I, I don't know
0: it. about the B, about the B video game being turned into like a A movie or series like
1: well it's okay it's supposed to be an animated series so let's put that out there it's not live action it's going to be animated
0: i don't even care what it is
1: <laughs> it could be fun i don't know i'm going to i'm going to reserve judgment because yeah. i can see uh, any of these things done right being good
0: now um i have some serious trouble with the next couple okay so we've got gears of war on here obviously uh-huh. Phenomenal first party game by Microsoft. Right. Um uh, Gears of War one through four. Amazing games, amazing cinematics, phenomenal gameplay. Right. Um Horizon Zero Dawn. Much the same compliments to Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon uh New West. Um, and then we can even go down here a little bit further, and I'll put Tomb Raider in that same mix of games. Like, right. of like had
1: successful movie, or right. movies or movies and stuff like that. Specifically
0: of first party developer studio um games. But the problem with all of these games is they're all movies already. Some of them are, yes. They're all feature length films with bouts of gameplay within them. Yeah. Uh especially Tomb Raider. Yeah. And her, and Horizon's not far behind as far as its exposition and and things that it takes you out of gameplay to expose and expand upon. Um Gears of War, you know, at least most of the storytelling was still done in game right. in game engine um and and not fully animated That's, scenes. Yeah, FOV type of But I've always said my problem with Tomb Raider is I hate Tomb Raider because I'd like to play my games, not watch the movie about them. Right. And no discredit to the Tomb Raider movies, they were f- fantastic. I I love Angelina Jolie. I liked and... the first one. I
1: thought that one was decent. The second um, one, I couldn't care so much about. But... Yeah.
0: Um. The really funny thing about was a Cradle of Life was uh. Uh. Angelina Jolie with a fake British accent and Daniel Craig with a fake American accent. <laughs> yeah. In the same gotta scene together.
1: Those, they got to flop those, right? Yeah. yeah. Daniel Craig trying
0: so hard to be Texan and Angelina Jolie <laughs> start trying so hard to so be hard from to be South London. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. But, yeah, I, I already feel like I've seen... All of the relevant content, because especially the latest Tomb Raider games, the, mm-hmm. the Shadow of the Tomb Raider, those, t- they're very little gameplay and 100% exposition and oh, yeah. they're all they're all story and you're watching and it's that's, that's it's quite, it's, like, it's press x to mourn but in th- this full is, game form
1: this is the problem i mean i i'm, I'm gonna probably watch the last of us that hb i hate is button
0: about, mash but I, thrillers i hate button mash thrillers
1: but i i i, I didn't like playing last of us mm-hmm. i liked the storyline about halfway through yeah. the game I stopped playing. I'm like, this is, I hate the gameplay. I'm not having fun with the gameplay. I'm invested in the storyline. I thought that was great, but uh, I just ended up stopped playing and just found a YouTube walkthrough and ended up watching the rest of it. Yeah. Because uh, it was just Yeah, my, my problem
0: is, is every two minutes, if it says press X to do this one action to progress the story, and it takes you into a cutscene in which you perform that action, and then you walk to the next press right. X action, yeah. you're not playing a game, you're watching a movie with, right. with, like, press X to continue buttons on it.
1: Which, you know, I'm okay with if parts in between are fun. Right. But if the parts in between are not fun, the Which Grand Theft to... Auto does
0: a phenomenal job at oh, yeah. where, no, where even, even their sequences of like shoot this particular thing right now to progress the cutscene are fine because yeah. you've got like seven minutes of unbridled like mayhem happening around you yes. where you don't know what's going on. You're... Oh yeah.
1: No, I mean some of the like one of my fondest memories of, of just like having this crazy moment of how games could be so great and mm. fun was at a, a land party uh, and we were playing Battlefield uh, 1942 had just is brand new mm-hmm. and we're playing around and I'm driving this Jeep and someone's coming after me with this with this airplane and it's like coming over here, shooting at me and I'm like trying to steer out of this bullet it comes and it crashes into a, you know and it crashes over me and I'm like oh god I made that through I just made it and it's like that was exciting yeah it wasn't scripted yeah it just happened in the game mm-hmm. and it was so much fun and it got my blood pumping I'm like this is amazing right.
0: Yeah, it, uh, I, I'm one of those people that as soon as you go to a non-playable moment, as soon right. as you transition into a cutscene, you've lost me. You've lost You're me entirely. Yeah. I'm watching a movie now. Yeah. And the reason I play games is to occupy my brain with, with something that I can interact uh-huh. with. And I don't like interacting with things that make me stop interacting for five minutes at a time to advance a story. I'd rather the story advance through gameplay. Um, I mean, the, some of the original final fantasies, you know, you go back to the 16 bit era with final fantasy four and final fantasy six. There's not a lot to actually do in those games. You're walking an icon across a world map through random encounters, but every random encounter I play, I feel like I'm contributing to the story. And every time story exposition happens, I feel like I'm still somehow involved.
1: Well, the root of Final Fantasy and what made it fun wasn't necessarily the story. It was the strategy that you had when you were fighting mm-hmm. the monsters, because you encountered different monsters, and you had to have a strategy. Yeah. Of, you use magic. You've got to find out what their weakness is. There's fun in that itself. Mm-hmm. And then the story on top of it was just icing on the cake, right? Right. So that's what, that's what it meant. It was like, okay, it's fine to have a story in between as long as the gameplay is fun. As well.
0: But I mean, some of the opening scenes of Tomb Raider, you know, Shadows of the Tomb Raider, is press X to buckle your seatbelt no, yeah, in a crashing yeah, I know,
1: plane. I know, I know, I know, that's that's just dumb. That's just dumb stuff.
0: Just I play mean, the cutscene and let me know when to take over again. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to... Click, click, if click, I, click, if click. I don't press X, is she going to die? Probably I not.
1: Kind of, I would like to see what would happen if I just, like, had hands off for those type of scenes and, like, do nothing. Right. I think there's just some kind of death scene that would actually be kind of fun to watch. just be like... <laughs> What was that? That famous uh uh it was a Spider-Man game, where he's like going. I think it was a PS2 game or something like that. I can't remember which Spider-Man what it was. Where he like comes into a, a building that's on fire, and there's some like lady strapped to some kind of uh, bomb, and everything's on fire. And then Spider-Man leaps, and then he like fails a cutscene, and he like just claps right onto the onto the ground, and the lady's like, "I'm gonna die," and the whole thing just blows up. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, like even (laughs) if if you, if you take, let's, let's take a couple of well-known battles. Um, I know, I know, I know that a game like, um, gosh, uh, what was the Star Wars Starkiller? Um, Jedi, blah, 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 ba
1: well, you got tons of Jedi, Jedi Knights. Or, no, no, uh, no.
0: Um, the most recent one? No, not the most recent one. Not... not uh, like uh Force Awakens? Not Force Awakens, the video game. The, uh, the video game where Darth Darth Vader has a secret apprentice. What is that?
1: Yeah, that's, that's, oh, that's For- Force Awakens. Yeah, Force
0: Awakens, excuse me. That's okay. Force Awakens, yeah. Yeah, yeah Force Awakens. A um, couple of pretty decent games. My problem yeah. is every single boss fight was a was reduced to dance dance revolution. Yeah. And what I mean by that is press this combination of buttons in this order at this time force unleashed. Yeah. Force unleashed. Force awakens oh, force was unleashed, the, yeah, was the force,
1: yeah, sorry, sorry, not force, force awakens. Force unleashed.
0: unleashed yeah, yeah. Force unleashed, yeah. Um so yeah, All thank right, yeah, you. Yeah, uh yeah, force unleashed, they're right. yeah. Uh yeah, force unleashed. Uh you go through the entire game, you're you're Darth Vader, you're pinning people to the to the ceiling yeah. and cutting them in half and everything else. But then you get to an ATST fight. And you attack the ATST until it gets down mm-hmm. to one quarter health, and then it goes X X X X X X X, and then you press yeah. X, and he does a pre-scripted move. And then midway yeah. through the pre-scripted move, it goes y, y Y Y, and you press Y, and he goes to the next pre-scripted move. And yeah. if you miss Y, then it then he the ATST knocks you down to the ground, and he regains a third of his health, and you have to knock him back down to a quarter so you can start the same cinematic. A ret with Elder Scrolls. Hold on, right? we we may have dropped out. Hold on. Did we? For a second
1: do we yeah we're oh, we back we dropped out for a Someone's second yeah f.
0: yeah yeah someone said f okay we're back okay
1: there was like okay so you you had brett who was who's playing a boss that took him forever to try to figure out how to beat yeah now in reality that would be that atst right if you had a, a you know, so so they they have they they're trying to develop a way to make it look like you could do a cool thing, uh, but without having to actually develop the skills to do a cool thing because a lot of people will just get turned off and like I'm done playing
0: this the, anymore. The, the problem is there are so many better ways to do this.
1: I think that there is. I think there's um, a balance in between I, I'm, without I'm, doing I'm gonna, like just mash. I'm gonna mash.
0: I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that, and I'm gonna compare it against Zelda final bosses, yeah. specifically. Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker. Uh Um, So they end pretty much the same way where you basically throw a sword through the center of Ganon's face. One of them horizontal, one of them vertical. Um, But it's all within the abilities that you developed as a character because with Ganon in the final fight, especially in Wind Waker, one of the, very first things you learn in sword co- in sword combat was uh-huh. was rolling away to parry to to yeah. either attack the backside or do a jump slash from the back. Uh-huh. In the final boss fight, the way you finish Ganon off is you do one of those roll parries and then a jump slash. Yeah. And as you jump slash, which was 100% a player-initiated action that I didn't yeah. have to be told to do, um... He jumps up, and it goes to a cutscene. And the cutscene changes the animation from the normal haiyah coming down to Link jumping up and sinking a sword between his eyes. And I'm totally okay with that style of gameplay, because... Because you still
1: felt you initiated that move.
0: That action was 100% natural in the progression of my skills as a player. Versus... I never learned how to hover in midair and then slash the center of an ATST right. while avoiding yeah. cannon fire and then jumping up and cutting open the ram right. and ripping it open with your right hand. None of that is a playable action that I yeah. put on. Now, there are tons of other actions in the Force style that you could do that if I initiated said action which in role-playing games would make it akin to a boss with a weakness hint hint uh that if I <laughs> performed that particular move after a certain set of hit points had e- had eclipsed that I would perform a certain action in a cut scene but I would still feel like I was initiating that action yeah when all you do is xxx I feel like why am I even here
1: yeah I I think I think the 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 uh press X to win type of type of game or the uh full motion video not full motion video but the 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 action action things they're kind of going away I don't see too many games doing that anymore um I haven't I haven't played any recently so I think they're kind of going out of style thankfully um yeah but yes there was a time where that's almost every single game Tomb Raider especially yes was very very guilty of that
0: right there's elements of a lot of different games, even popular games, that are guilty of that. Uh, look at the uh-huh. Just Cause series for like hijacking a jet or or yeah. hacking a building. Yeah, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. um, where you have uh, you're you're like, I'm in a totally totally believable '80s action hero style yeah. game. I'm going to uh, shoot a a. Gatling hook onto a jet as it's passing by. Lift myself up with one arm while also reeling in said jet. Mm -hmm. Sit on the side of the jet, forcibly open the cockpit, and then engage in hand-to-hand combat with the pilot. Why do I need a set of button mash sequences to to do that? Like, like I'm already there. I've already Hmm. latched onto the jet with my grappling hook. Can't I just open the canopy and be done with it? Like, if I hit Y, let's just assume I win at that it, it's point. It's kind because, like, the Just
1: Cause 2 was very, very quick. The like yeah. emotions were very quick. 3 and 4, they were more animated. They, they had a lot more animations involved with it. And,
0: and, and that's fine. You know, if you want to play a series of animations and jazz it up every once in a while, I'm totally cool with that. But in the point of, like, an 80s action flick that's way over the top that Sylvester Stallone goes, I don't think this is believable. Can we just <laughs> assume... Yeah. That if I press Y to jump into the jet that I've already won, yeah. is there a reason for the button mashing <laughs> to begin with? Yeah. You just described the gameplay of Assassin's Creed right there.
1: Oh yeah, pretty much.
0: Um. Yeah. Uh, the 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 end assassinations were exactly that, where you can play the game however you want in between the ending fights. Um. And and uh. Force Unleashed is exactly like this uh, in in that what you do in between 20 and 80% of gameplay is whatever you want to do. You can be the biggest badass, you can use blasters, you can use lightsaber, force powers, whatever you want. But then at specific moments, you have to revert back and like fall into a linear pathfinding mode with your character and progress in the story in only one method possible. I don't even mind if i defeat an enemy in a way that wasn't expected by developers and all of a sudden i'm standing in a situation that is totally foreign to where i was like as a developer you need to anticipate that i killed the the or i dealt the final blow and initiated the final cutscene on the other side of this place and maybe allow us to get back to the place you want the cutscene to happen cinematically or ignore the fact that it happened entirely and just play the damn cutscene, because I don't care as a player as long as I was able to initiate the final kill right. on yeah. my own terms. That's right. Yeah,
1: that's right.
0: Yeah. Have I ranted about that enough? I, don't <laughs> I think we have. I think we're getting close to the end here. Uh, you're explaining exactly why I don't play AAA games anymore. I still play some AAA games. Uh... Uh, like I
1: said, there's, there's some AAA games that I think they're starting to go away from that, so yeah. I wouldn't necessarily shy away from all AAA games, but... Yes. I, I ha- it's been a while since I played a couple triple games.
0: Yeah. Uh I guess that's what diff- what's different about Elden Ring, you're responsible for everything. Except you aren't. Except Elden Ring is one hundred percent what I call a pre-programmed animation combat sim. Uh in that every action that you as a player or the enemy as a an, as an NPC perform are one hundred percent based on Not on timing, but on pre-scripted animations. So if I press X, my player is going to perform a certain animation. If I performed the animation too early, it will only be interrupted by an animation that started before on the beast that I'm fighting. And if I was a frame too late and didn't see whatever action he was going to do coming that randomly is assigned at whatever point in time, uh, then I lose. It's much less skill-based and more so luck-based. And I hate luck-based games as well. Playing Elden Ring feels like putting $5 in the penny slots. (laughs) Okay. I said it. I said what I said. There you (laughs) go. All right. Um, Okay. Cool. Well, that does it for the news. Uh, We got time for like two questions, if anyone has some. Uh, Some said Jeff looks a little toasty. No, my hair has just gotten way too long to control.
1: Before we do more questions, let me go. I got to take a break.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Cool. Uh, So Steve's out. Uh, if anyone has any questions, the news, that was the news. That was the news. This was the week that was. I'm Walter Cronkite. Uh, I still play FTPs from the nineties, Blood, Quake, and Duke. I don't play new games. Uh, actually I just did a run through of the first, uh, couple campaigns in Doom, in the original Doom, but in Voxel Doom, uh, using the GZ Doom engine. And it was fantastic. Uh, definitely recommend looking that up if you haven't run through that in a slightly more modern way Um, basically voxel doom replaces all of the 2D sprites with 3D voxels that behave and act as you would expect in real 3D space but in a very classical feel like it feels like the same game but with up, you know, with three degrees of motion instead of just two. And, uh, yeah, good times. Uh, Jeff, this is Sunny. Sunny, what's up? Uh, why do you think the Beavers will beat the Ducks in two weeks? Prob- <laughs> Probably because the Beavers are one of the scariest, quietest teams of the season, of the college football season. Um by the way, I see you salty. Uh, they have been so scary. Good against some, some honestly, very (laughs) good competition. Uh, especially in the second half of the season, like the Beavers are always good in the second half of the season, but they started three and one and not a lot of people remember that. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, Will the Beavers win? I don't know, but I think it's going to be a very competitive game. Um, The Washington game, I don't think necessarily surprised me um, because while our offense had been on absolute fire, our defense had been giving up yards all year and giving up long drives. And Washington's a team that can finish long drives where if you look at UCLA, they got yards and chunks and, and they were about the explosion play. We limited the explosion play. And when push come to shove, it was like playing a half-court offense in basketball where, you know, in the playoffs, teams that are reliant on the three-point shot get shut down. Um, that's why the Blazers lose every year. We're <clears throat> yep. still talking Portland area sports. Um, <laughs> but, but Washington was a, was a half-court offense. They were the, I'm going to take six yards at a time. And I'm going to get you into a position that you don't want to be in. And I'm going to force you down into the into the 10, the 7, the 6, the 4, the 2. And then I'm going to strike. And that's exactly what they did to the Ducks all day long. And even though Oregon still had its explosive offense, and and quite honestly, what did we see? Two punts and one turnover the entire game? Um, you know, Washington played the better game. And, and hats off to them. I, I can't believe I said that out loud. Uh, by the way, uh, Concierge Schultz is a very good old friend of mine. So, uh, of course, I'm going to take a second to answer his question. Um, are they <laughs> so go- we got- is Oregon State going to beat the Ducks? I don't know. But I will say I'm Oregon doubtful. State, very much like Washington, is very much what I would consider to be driving a half-court offense. And it's very much within the Jonathan Smith system to do something like that. I mean, look what he did when he was when he was at the helm of that program and is at the helm again. So um yeah. Did all these computer smart people uh know you knew that much about sports as well? Uh they know I dabble from time to time. So what was great is I also got to dabble at uh PDX Land this last week. Uh we started talking Washington versus Oregon football and you're like going back 20 and oh, 30 gosh, years yeah. into the rivalry and and discussing it and you know, most most tech people gloss over when you talk football. And I'm like, no, I had it streaming on half of my, tr- my <laughs> ultra-wide monitor. Like, I had the game over here and Tiny Tina's Wonderland's on the other panel. Like <laughs> It's like, no, I'm watching the game while I'm playing. Uh, Googly Gamer says, I just want to say, great job on your YouTube career and I enjoy your videos. Thank you very much. I do very much appreciate that. Uh, Let's see... Love you, man. Right back at you, my good friend. Uh when are we doing the the smug a hole club? Uh I, I think we should have a meeting sometime this week or maybe next week, like the smug a hole club. <laughs> uh the the, the smug a hole club of those who are self employed and don't care anymore.
1: You know, um, I think there's a certain point in your professional career, especially if you get, you know, certain up up in a certain uh uh echelon of the company, mm-hmm. that you could be that too. Oh, you totally um, can. Yes,
0: with without the burden of self employment, right? Right. But uh, but no uh, no salt. uh, uh, We we had discussed bringing to order the the smug a hole club of Salem, where we (laughs) get together with other smug a holes once a week for lunch, maybe at like Thursday at one p.m. for a beer, and it's like Mm. (laughs) no one else can do this.
1: (laughs) Actually, I can.
0: Right. Bow and, so, Bow and
1: Vine, dude. Bow and you, Vine. You, you would more
0: than you would be more than welcome at the A Hole club.
1: If you go to Bow and Vine, I'll be totally there. Yeah,
0: you know, that's that's in the realm of possibility. He dude, he lives Vine's directly delicious. between the two of us. Oh, nice. He's 10 minutes from you and 10 minutes from me. Like it's Ooh. perfect. Uh I'll have your keep your my people call your people. That's awesome cuz we both have people. <laughs> Uh, business at craftcomputing.net. I'll see if I can work you into the schedule, buddy. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. I think that is going to do it for the show. This has been Talking Heads, episode 260. Can you believe it's been wow, that long? Wow, I know.
1: 260. Man. 260.
0: It's been a long time. Not 8 yeah. bit compliant around here.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> anyway, join us every Wednesday every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time. Sorry, 6 p.m. Good Lord. Join us every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. Uh, follow me on Twitter at craft computing, as long as Twitter is still a thing for daily shenanigans like this. If you like Uh the content you see on this channel and want to help support me in what I do, consider joining the Patreon link is down in the video description. Every dollar goes directly back into content and helps produce the videos that you like seeing and also helps keep the lights on around here and my beer stock well and truly stocked beer fridge well and truly stocked uh and i think that's going to do it for us here on this wednesday night steve any parting thoughts other than you imposter no, I'm you I'm you jeff. are super sus right now i'm gonna <laughs> I'm say
1: <Jeff>
0: <laughs> no i got nothing
1: uh join us at craft computing uh, i'm jeff at craft computing join us every wednesday night at six
0: if you see a craft computing underscore one on Patreon, that's not me. It's going to be real craft computing. <laughs> real craft computing underscore one at patreon.net.
1: Mm-hmm. Send me your video cards.
0: Yes. Thank <laughs> oh,